0: Welcome, everyone, to Comics from the Multiverse, Episode Three Two Eight. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, who can barely keep his noises to himself, is yep. Matt. Uh hell of a time for a hiccup, so <laughs> that was fun. And uh, uh, Connor's absence, you're hiccuping for him, yes, because uh, yeah, yeah. someone has to hiccup. Who's, yes. who's Connor? Great question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Welcome to the show, everyone. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together every week, talk about the DC Comics we read. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1065, Action Comics 1048, DC vs. Vampires 10, The Human Target issue 8, Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead issue 2, catwoman lonely city issue four and a couple from last week which we pushed because last week was so busy try you know try to catch up on all the books we missed as well so we got rogues issue four and aquaman andromeda issue three that is what's coming up on the agenda on today's show so uh hopefully there's some books in there you're excited for and we'll uh we'll get into all of it uh but yes um so yeah uh Next week's a quieter week, though, which is good, because uh, I have some Patreon books for October to do, so I'll do them next week with the quiet week.
1: Yeah, clicking through League of Comic Geeks, I hit one too far, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, next week's nice and quiet, Oh but I have to get caught up on Poison Ivy in, uh, because I missed that week. Oh, sure, Uh, yeah. I got caught up on Poison Ivy in the Tom King book, which I still have got to read.
0: Oh, you definitely get caught up in that, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, Uh, no, for sure, I will, I just, work's been stupid busy, so I'm trying to prioritize the week's books.
0: Um, yeah. But yeah but there's only like four books next week i think that we're actually yeah. reading so uh, i think it will be fine uh so yeah so welcome to the show um obviously uh we sometimes have news there is none this week i don't think uh nothing <laughs> that i saw uh i mean we, other, sometimes,
1: uh, we sometimes have news but not this time
0: yeah i mean i guess technically we could talk about a certain actor saying that he's back in the movies and stuff but uh you know it's, it's kind of a spoiler for a new movie <laughs> that came out yeah Neither, neither of us have seen, by the way. Neither, no. neither of us have seen Black um, Adam, but...
1: Let's just say, if you know anything about me, know that I'm, I'm very pleased with what this actor said. And I guess we can leave it at that. Sure. You know, fingers crossed. You know, cautiously optimistic. But, um... We didn't talk about James Gunn, though, did we? Did that news break? Oh, that's this week, yeah. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. This is so
0: Yeah, this is actually kind of a big deal. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, James Gunn and uh, some other dude, which I'll get the name here. I'll get that out yeah. thought. <laughs> James Gunn and James Gunn's friend. Peter Sarafin, that's the name. Or Saffron, sorry. Pierre Saffron.
1: Yeah, Peter, Peter Serafin. He almost said Serafinowitz.
0: Yeah. In, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I almost said Saffron. No, just Saffron or Saffron, yeah. uh, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, so yeah, Uh. DC and Warner Brothers have actually hired these two to lead DC's film, TV, and animation uh, so they are kind of, I mean, I don't know if it directly correlates to they are the co-Kevin Feige's of DC, but it certainly sounds like that's the role that they're supposed to be filling.
1: You know, for a guy that put Starro into a Suicide Squad movie, I'm very okay
0: with this. He certainly knows his stuff. We can't, yes. you know, we can't deny that. I mean, yep. Will this ultimately work out? Will they actually give him the power and this other dude (laughs) to actually see the DC movies and other projects into some sort of coherent universe? I don't know. But I will say this. The way it was wasn't working. And there needed to be a change. So is this going to be a success story? I don't know right now. But something needs to happen. Someone may as well take a crack at it because Mm -hmm. uh, it was floundering before, quite frankly. You know that? I
1: mean... and the guy has a great track record for DC between the Suicide Squad and then Peacemaker, like you know, for fan and critical.
0: Yeah. Uh, and honestly, know. the the trailer for the Guardians Christmas special came out mm-hmm. this week, and it looks kind of delightful as a Christmas special. So, mm-hmm. you know, po- power to him. Uh, and I, you know, I've typically liked a lot of James Gunn's work prior to superhero stuff as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm down for him to have a crack at this. It-
1: yeah. I mean I go ahead.
0: Uh, I was gonna say, look at it this way. Neither of us have bothered to go to see Black Adam and we're DC no. Comics fans. That should tell you all you need to know about the current state of DC. And I movies. love the lot.
1: <laughs> I love the Shazam era. I just some like two hours in movie theater. I got I got pumpkins to carve.
0: I just you know, nah, I like it. a lot of superhero movies are starting to really blend together and you yeah. know it's I mean it's the same with Marvel to an extent as well, where I'm not excited about any Marvel movies coming out either. Yeah. But like, you know, so- it's I would love to be excited. I would love to care. I can't
1: believe the next Black Panther is out in like two weeks. Yeah. And it's sneaking up on me. So, so yeah. I was going to say, it's crazy to me that the guy that did Slither is now running DC's movies. (laughs) Like, Super and Slither and what else am I forgetting before he did Guardians? I'm sure I'm forgetting one in there. I mean, he, he... co wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake which you know love or hate is I mean hate tell' a passion project on for my him. end you know yeah so this guy I feel like he is a fit like he is one of us and you know I feel he'll bring respect to DC that was kind of I feel lacking you know he he understands what makes these characters tick and I feel like he's good at I don't know if he's good at finding people because he didn't do all of Peacemaker right? Like he show ran it, but he didn't direct every episode and write every episode.
0: I think he wrote all of it. I'm pretty sure. He, he, okay. I think he wrote it all in the pandemic. Oh,
1: uh, Okay. Well, he he found people to direct it because I do know he show ran it. Um, but yeah. Um, it's just it's crazy to me that he's in the spot he is. But I'm I'm super happy, because again I've been very pleased. I need to go back and finish Peacemaker. I, I, I mean maybe.
0: Me. I mean maybe that was the appeal for Warner Bros. Maybe they mm-hmm. saw oh people like this Peacemaker character now and he's a yeah. nothing character. So if he can yeah. do that for Peacemaker, what can he do if we let him, you know, tackle yeah. some of the the more B list characters? Say, because yeah. Peacemaker's not B list, Peacemaker's not even C list. He's D list no. maybe at a push. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's why he was perfect for Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, right? uh, absolutely. He was a character that, despite being played by John Cena, we're like, oh, we don't know if he's gonna make it through the movie, and that's kind of what you want in a Suicide Squad movie. Kind of, you know, that Harley's gonna make it through because it's Harley, um, but everyone else is is you know up in the air. So. But no, James Gunn movies I tend to like more than I don't. Um, and yeah, I mean, and that doesn't mean all of DC is going to look like that. I feel like, no, just like what he's all. done over on Guardians.
0: I mean, his Suicide Squad know. movie, um, I enjoyed. I think it had more heart than most of the other DC movies that I've seen in the last you know, chunk of time. Um, Not counting the Batman, which was, you know, that's kind of a standout and different, but compared right. to everything else that Harley Quinn certainly been involved with I, I got way yeah. more out of it it didn't rock my world it wasn't the next best thing ever but it yeah. was a solidly well put together crafted movie where yeah. all the character beats paid off by the end so if he can just do that with other characters yeah. I will be happy enough certainly yeah,
1: yeah. well and I, and I trust him to be able to fold you know Matt Reeves Batman into this whether it's a multiverse type scenario or
0: I, I don't or, need, I don't need them to do with that no well, I'm
1: just saying or or if we finally do get a Justice League movie six years down the road, we can have Robert Pattinson and, and there's Batman. And it'll I, don't think, fun. I don't
0: think he's going to. I don't think he's going to want to do that. You don't think so? I don't think so. I, I don't think that Matt Reeves' Batman is ever connect Other than the stuff that Matt Reeves himself is making at mm-hmm. HBO Max, which I know is happening, I don't yeah. think we're seeing that connect to the other stuff. I could be yeah. wrong, but I don't think yeah. it's going to.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I just trust him to make it work at this point. Uh... So I'm reading the news piece here, and someone, of course, had to send a tweet. So I guess you hate Marvel and Feige now. And and James Gunn, and these are his words, is not only do I love Kevin, he was the first person I told after I did the deal. Cena was the second. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, a dollar less for Marvel is not a dollar more for DC. DC and Marvel have a common goal of keeping the theater-going experience vibrant and alive and so this also is one of those,
0: I, i'm pretty you know, sure uh he's sitting on like multiple bags of money some of them have got a dc logo on them some of them have a marvel logo on them he's quite happy sitting on both
1: <laughs> I, and again this is one of those things just because you love marvel doesn't mean you have to hate dc and vice versa i mean i know that sometimes i feel like a hypocrite saying that because i don't read a lot of other books but that's just because i'm busy and i do the show uh so dc books take priority um but like i love marvel properties i love daredevil i love iron fist in the comics um you know the x-men was like the first comics i ever got involved in so i i think it's good when there's some crossover and, it's uh, and i so you know
0: you're saying a lot of really nice things here mm-hmm. uh, and i i would just like to sort of add on that i'm a bit more cynical in this i don't necessarily yeah. trust that this is going to work out i don't necessarily think this mm-hmm. is going to end up in good things i just think something different should be tried and james gunn's a nice enough guy to try it's the it. different thing
1: this this is the difference between me and Pete, right? Cautiously optimistic, like I said about the mystery thing we we opened this with. And Pete's a bit more cynical and going like, "Well, it can't be worse than what we got." Exactly. So, it can't it yeah. can't be
0: worse. Yeah. So, <laughs> so why not give it a try? Do we
1: think the Flash movie is actually coming out? Because I do not.
0: <sighs> it feels like they are so stubborn about it that they are going to somehow put it out anyway. Yeah. But I, I you know I don't think it's. I think they will quickly move on from anything that movie did as humanly possible. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. And it's, it's it's almost like just a what's supposed to word I'm looking for. It's almost just this like they have to just get it out and get it out of the way so they can move on to other things. It's just you know mm-hmm. no one's excited about it coming out. I mean I'm sure there are some weirdos I'm sure that they still are excited about it. Yeah, but... well,
1: and I'm. I'm... I'm sure the director wants people to see his, his hard work. But he was like the third director that signed on, right? Like so third, that, troubled... third.
0: Are you kidding me? It was like yeah. the seventh director that signed was on. was it? Yeah. I lost
1: I lost track at three. So I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna slot in machete. So um but yeah. Oof. Crazy, crazy times. Yeah.
0: But you know, like again, it comes back to this: we're a DC Cowboys podcast, and neither one of us gave a shit enough to go see Black Adam. And yeah, uh, I mean, what have they got next? Aquaman? No, it's Shazam next, right?
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll go Is see it that when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, but I I'm also I I like that version of the character. The movie looks different enough that I'll be there for the theaters on that. Black Adam just got away from me from when it came out. If that movie had come out in August, I would have been there. But yeah, you, you put it in October, I'm busy. Eh. You know, no, no, no. there's other things I'd rather be doing. Uh the trailer so... for Shazam
0: too looked just kind of whatever. It's it's it yeah, looks, it's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing exciting about it though. It, yeah. uh, like
1: I like I like Zach Levi as, Sh- as Shazam, so uh, I'll be there.
0: I will probably not be there. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll see it.
1: Remember <laughs> remember how much of a ration we gave Connor for not seeing an opening
0: weekend? Uh, when when we did. Yeah, but that was uh, back when we still saw everything day one yeah. and talked about it on the show. I
1: know. I just I just think it's funny how far uh, it went where Connor looks like the reasonable one now. You yeah. can't have that. I'm surprised he hasn't seen it given how much Paige likes The Rock. Uh, and, you know. But granted, I don't even know where Connor's at because he's he was barely online uh, talking about Taylor Swift last weekend because uh, she dropped a new album. Uh, and I haven't really, really haven't seen him. I did... We need to talk hockey for a hot second this week. But other than that, you know.
0: I'm seeing him later tonight. We're doing TV news. Yeah, so.
1: yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry. He's still Connor. I'm not that about uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, well, don't worry, Matt. There's always time for a comicology top 10. Not if I talked about it.
1: <laughs> I used to do this with one of my old bosses. When he would come through, if I just talked to him about football, he'd forget why he was there. And, you know, he would just have me sign a paper and then he'd leave.
0: Nope.
1: And, uh, Sorry. Nope. You don't forget. Pete doesn't forget.
0: Nope. Comic-Sology top 10 time. Obviously, we'll look at Tuesday's, uh, the books released on Tuesday and how that top 10 is shaping up, which is all of DC's books. And then we'll look at the rest of the industry from the Wednesday. Uh, but this is the top 10 selling uh, on Comicsology at the time of recording, which this week is Friday, not Saturday, just in case you're, uh, yeah. uh, checking to see if this is accurate still. Uh, what do you think the number one book is, uh, right now from DC?
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say action comics. It is not. Dang. Does it have comics in the title?
0: You're asking if it's detective then, really, yes. but uh, no, it does not have comics in the title.
1: What? It's not Human Target,
0: is it? No. I am lost then. It is Batman Beyond the White Knight. <laughs> really? Yeah, that book sells well. I getting good for them. It sells well. Uh, number two is Action Comics, 1048. Number three is Detective Comics, 1000... uh, Whatever number we're on for that. <laughs> 65. Uh, the title gets cut off on Amazon, so I don't... <laughs> if, yeah. if, the, if the title's too long, I don't see the number. Uh, yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, number four is DC vs. Vampires, issue 10. Number five is The Human Target, issue 8. Okay. Doing very well, still. Number oh. six is Catwoman Lonely City, issue 4. And uh, number seven is Batman Fortress issue six, which I, I think that's the last issue of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it kept up the quality that I saw in issue one, then good riddance is all I can say about <laughs> it. Uh, number eight is Punchline, the Gotham game, issue one. And uh, neither of us felt the need to uh, try this. Yeah. Honestly, for I, I'm not against trying a Punchline book, but it was tina Howard who I, you know, Jumped off a of catwoman instantly for, yeah. and I, you know I've, I've read a couple of Tiny Howard like short stories from like anthologies and stuff. Yeah. You know I'm pretty, you know, sure that I'm I'm just not into her stuff at this point.
1: Oh shoot! Punchlines put together the Royal Flush Gang. So that might that might be a read.
0: Well, that's if, not even a I new... hear
1: good things. I'm gonna. I'm going to send out feelers to, to my comic book friends. But that's not even a new them. thing, though.
0: That, that that was already set up in the uh, backups to the Joker book. That was like, she was messing for with... For real? Yeah.
1: God damn it. Y'all are going to make mess around and make me go back and read that in Train, aren't
0: <laughs> you? I mean, the actual main story was interesting. It wasn't... That? I know, no, I know. Yeah. I remember
1: you talking about it, and I kept saying this, and I just haven't pulled the trigger. It was a garden so... book,
0: not a Joker book. Joker yeah. was just a villain. Uh, but I obviously... just like having
1: to pay extra for it because Joker was on the title. Oh, no, no. I, not I, I agree. Extra pages. I agree. Yeah, so... Uh, that's why I didn't read it. It was Tynan, so I should know better. But hey, we had a little bit of punchline in a book this week. We did.
0: Uh, we'll talk about that yeah. later. Uh, number nine is Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City. Okay. And it's then the game tie-in? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then number 10 is Sergeant Rock's... Uh, or DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock uh, versus the Army of the Dead. Uh, On Gotham Knights, actually, the game, uh, not doing well review-wise, uh pretty mediocre reviews and then from a and this part won't matter to you as much but from a game performance perspective <laughs> in terms of its technical features it is kind of a wreck uh only gaming people will really understand what i'm about to say here but it, you know the the frame rates are pretty bad uh it's not running very well in pc even uh it's, it's a technical kind of a it, it feels like things change like, throughout development and they had to rush out a kind of a I won't say broken product but one that is I mean I don't want to play it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put it that way. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a shame because I love the idea of a game with uh, you know Dick Babs and and you know others.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Tim and maybe not so much Jason, but you know, it's why he's there. Uh so there you go. Uh so that's the that's the top ten uh from DC this week. Uh looking at Wednesday though, we see how the rest of the industry's faring this week. Um in digital comic sales. Uh what do you think number one is, Matt?
1: Let me click on select all to see what else was out this week. See if there's an X book. Um, uh, let me go with, with Axe Judgment Day number six.
0: Yeah, a big finale to the event. Uh, yeah, that is number one. Uh, number two is Amazing Spider-Man issue 12? 12. 12. Oh, okay. They've been renumbering that again. I see. <laughs> yeah. 12. Come on now. Uh, Number three is Wolverine issue twenty six. That's still Percy's run going strong. Um, And then we got New Mutants issue thirty one at number four. So people people like X books basically is what we're saying. Uh, Number five is Moon Knight annual issue one. Yeah, I might
1: pick that up because it's got Werewolf by Night in it, and I did enjoy that uh, that Marvel one shot uh, show of Werewolf by Night. So.
0: Oh, okay. I see. I I see. Yeah. I did already tease in season 2 for Midnight. Are we talking about One Shot uh, yeah, yeah yeah no
1: they, they did the you know presents directed by yeah, Michael yeah.
0: Giacchino yeah I watched yeah. it I watched it yeah it was okay it
1: was fine it was good it
0: was okay uh, number 6 is Strange issue 7 okay uh, number 8 is The Variants issue 4 uh, number 8 this is our first non-Marvel book I think uh, Star Trek issue 1 hey good for Trek new Star Trek book uh by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Uh, hey, you know those names. Yeah. They do a lot of filling stuff at DC. Or used to at least yep. anyway. Um I don't know if there's any particular uh what's the premise of this one? Oh, it's a Cisco book from uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So there you go. Uh number nine is Thunderbolts issue three of five. That's a miniseries. Does
1: it now feature Harrison Ford?
0: Uh, not that I'm aware of, no,
1: then, but... then I will not be getting it.
0: Okay,
1: is that a reference that landed or no?
0: I mean, I, I did see that it okay. was rumored to be in it, but
1: oh no, it's, it's been uh, official. He's oh, it's it's official now, okay, yeah, as Thunderbolt Roths. So he's getting that Marvel money now.
0: Uh so he's replacing that's a, okay, William yeah. Hart because he passed away. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, he's Which, a good, good actor, him, yeah.
1: him playing a grumpy older man, I would never guess.
0: Yeah. That was a shame, when I saw uh, William Hart in uh, Black Widow, I thought, oh, he looks yeah. like he's struggling a bit, you know, it kind because of, yeah. he had a walkie stick, and it's like, oh, that could just be the character, but it kind of had that feeling like, oh, no, this feels like the actor needs that, and that's why he has yeah. it. Uh, so it was a shame he, 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 he passed away, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, and then number 10 on this uh, all comics list from Wednesday is Venom issue 12, so Marvel mm-hmm. had nine out of the ten books uh, against all the indies. Um, if you look past that though, you get immediately you get like you know, a Power Rangers book, you get uh, Vanish issue two, Damn Them All issue one, which is a size Spurrier uh, book Ooh. from Boom. Uh, okay. and Sonic the Hedgehog is still in the top 20. So <laughs> oh, that's nice. Cool. Admittedly, being in the top 20 is not as impressive because it's taken, this is like without DC. Because if DC were in yeah. here as well, you have to assume a lot of these things yeah. that are in the. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I picked up the RL Stein book uh, based off of recommendation. Ah. based off Read the first issue. Stuff of nightmares. Um. Apparently, it's meant to be a fun anthology horror series. I also picked up Creepshow one, but I didn't read it, so I didn't get Creepshow two. So. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, was Creepshow two out this week? Is that what, is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Neat. All right. Well. That's cool. Um and then yeah, there's nothing else really interesting. Image had like a horror anthology book out, uh, this week, which had a story by Jeff Johns in it.
1: Okay.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah. I guess they're just it's issue seven of twelve, so I guess they're doing this anthology series for yeah. Halloween time and season. I guess. So wait, which book was that? It's just called Image thirtieth Anath- thirtieth right. anthology. Yeah,
1: I see
0: that. Yeah. So yeah
1: yeah so I just read the Damn Them All and it's got one of the it's got the artists from uh Walking Dead oh okay. but it's yeah, it's like um an occult detective type story uh seems pretty cool, so I might have to go pick that up next week
0: Hmm, because uh, you always did more comics to read, don't you matt
1: i I do, but I like stuff like that um so oh, it was a new witches story from Snyder and Jock Ah there you
0: go hey, I remember that book. <laughs> it's been a long Anyways, time.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I I saw a and I was like, oh, I've mostly liked what they've written for DC, and uh, I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's got a cool cover, but yeah, no, yeah, I need more comics.
0: Good lord. Yeah, you really don't. I think it's the uh. No. The, yes. The tri- that's tri- the true subtext. answer. Yeah. So. Very cool. Alright, well, that's your soldier Top 10 for the week, and we already faffed about talking about movie news and stuff, so I think we can get straight into Z Comics. So, let us uh, kick things off with Detective Comics 1065, Ram V writing with Raphael Albuquerque on the art. So, thoughts, feelings?
1: Um, this is the first time I remember reading Ubu in comics. I don't know if this is the first, I don't know if he showed up in, in other things, but that that was cool to see. I like that the, uh, the Ranby's bringing that character in.
0: Yeah, then, uh, we obviously we left off last time in the cliffhanger with uh, the League of Assassins getting after mm-hmm. the boat with the, the, the royal family coming in. So it takes up with a lot of action, and like the police are all being held down, and Montoya's insistent that no one light the bat signal... Uh, and, you know, it was like, no, no, we can do this on our own. But of course, Batman shows up and uh, helps anyway, kind of thing, uh, which leads to a really interesting subplot in this where Batman actually ends up, like, hurt in the water. You know, he ends mm-hmm. up sort of passed out after he's fighting the big guy. And Gordon pulls him out of the water and actually takes him back to, like, uh, him and Bullock's like, P.I. office. Yeah. And needs to bandage his face so he, like, turns off the light so he can't see him. What yeah. to do it and it's like oh that's kind of neat but he also mentions that he thinks he knows who it is but he doesn't want to know yeah. for sure so right which
1: I do like as a a respect thing yeah. with Gordon where he's like at the end of the day he's still just Batman so it doesn't matter who's behind the mask is their relationship doesn't change yeah, um, yeah. so I, I love that so that, that kid that was with them, that's the creepy kid from the backups?
0: Yeah, so it turns out those backups might have been somewhat relevant because they're uh, <laughs> <now, now> that <laughs> kid's yeah. with Garden in the main story, which... Uh, uh, spoiler, it, I didn't continue reading the backups, so if you did, uh, you let me know if I should. I, I read part of them, and then I yeah. sort of stopped, because there were... I okay. don't know, I kind of fell away from it. So, I, yeah, I just, yeah, this kid's with them. Just go with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically the, the thing. Yeah. Um, so... No, I liked, uh, so Prince, uh, what's his name? As, uh, Arzen. Uh, Orgum. Uh, yeah, Arzen.
1: Orgum. Yeah, Arzan Orgum.
0: Arzan Orgum, okay. So Arzan's uh, with this guy who owns Arkham, uh, the original Arkham land. And they're, he's basically making this offer, but as the conversation goes on, it's like, no, we actually own this land anyway, and we've got paperwork going back centuries and centuries. And the guy's like, oh, you're going to have to prove that in court. But I was like, no, no, you don't understand. We're not offering to buy Arkham we were offering you a ridiculous sum of money so that you'll just shut up and go away and we'll keep the land that we, we you know, and this is like how filthy rich they are that they can do yeah. this. Like, we, we valued how much the land and the buildings were and then we tripled it. Right. Tier. And, so
1: and enjoy this, stay out of our hair. Yeah. Uh, and the guy looked like he was going to have a seizure with the amount of money spending he was already doing in his head.
0: Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think he'll successfully stay away. Obviously, it's there to show you how powerful and rich this yeah. family are and well, all that. yeah,
1: it, if money matters to you, right? Like they can buy and sell and do whatever. Which,
0: well, you know. that's the beauty ultimately of Batman and Gordon is that money doesn't matter yep. to them. Like, exactly. And I think that's the thing that they're, they're talking about legacy and they're talking about uh, the heritage of, of the city and they're coming back to okay. claim what's theirs. I think there's something really touching about, in the same issue showing like Gordon's there for Batman. And this is something that's been born out of the modern Gotham city is like, yep. this is what Gotham is now. It's just them fighting for it. So if you're coming to take the city, this is who you're coming to take it from. Really, right. these, you know,
1: these are your knights.
0: Yeah, right? you're you're not taking it from Two Face. You may think you are, but you're not. You're taking no, it from them.
1: That that was the other thing, the the Two Face plot here, which we'll get to. That was a that was a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Two Face is now working for the the royal family here, and uh, you know shows up to help and lets the uh, one of them come in. Who? Heavily implied here. This uh this the soldier for the, the royal family is a werewolf?
1: Yeah, buddy, let's get it. Yeah. Uh, which we kinda new for meeting solicits because there's a there's gonna be a one shot coming mm-hmm. up or is it a an manual? Uh with Batman versus a werewolf essentially. So but yeah, it seems like this is their this is their guy that they send in to like clean things up. I like I don't know he's not exactly a cleaner, but like he goes in ahead and takes care of loose things so the family doesn't have to worry about it, right? They get to keep their hands clean, he he's their, their muscle, I guess. Um, very intriguing character, because he doesn't take gruff from anybody.
0: Yeah, because uh, you know, the guy from the Al Ghouls, you know, from the League is there, mm-hmm. and wants to get snuck out, and is like, oh, sorry, that's not happening. Um, And does this thing where he locks him in the door with this, you know, this the werewolf character, yeah. and we just like, sort of hear the screaming from behind the door. Oh.
1: Yeah, because we, we get him, so that's uh Roz's personal bodyguard. Yeah. Uh Uber. Uh the big bald guy from, from the animated series. And like he shows up strapped with dynamite. Uh basically he's gonna take them out before anything can happen. And uh remind me that's where Batman gets involved. Right? He shows up and or not, not Batman, the the other dude. I don't
0: know, you're thinking earlier with the cops. I'm talking about yeah. when uh Two Face right. locks the guy, you know, when he locks who do in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in the room with the middle. Well, I'm just,
1: I'm just getting us there. That the Batman shows up and is like, a, "We don't need your help, right?" Takes the dynamite vest off of him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's earlier yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Right, uh, and then he's he's licking his wounds and he goes to Two Face to get out. And Two, well, I don't even say it, I want to say Two Face. Harvey sells him out to to the family.
0: Yeah, could you hear uh, Two Face like Two Face's narration mm-hmm. come in and saying, "Oh dear, Harvey, like you know, you you're." working for this family now kind of you know yeah. it, starts to, it starts to like there's a bit of a conflict with harvey and, and two-face I'm,
1: yeah and, and two-face like i'm supposed to be the bad personality what are you doing yeah you know but yeah the just the fact that this was ross algol's personal servant guy like his his bodyguard gets taken out you know by this werewolf dude it really sets the the you know stakes. not the stakes it sets up the levels that the you know Batman's going to have to deal with. Yeah,
0: it's almost like Two Face is saying to Harvey. Like you need help to deal with this yeah. problem, and there's only one person who can help, and kind of implies Batman. So it's kind of yeah. interesting that Two Face is the one saying that to Harvey then internally. <laughs> when
1: Two Face is telling you you've gone too deep, you you done messed up.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but yeah,
1: man, man, is so good at these these interpersonal relationship type stuff.
0: Yeah, you know. and and the end of the story is because uh, obviously the, the werewolf things kind of had the big finale essentially, yeah. but there's just one last page with Gordon with uh, Bruce lying on the couch with bandages all over his face, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's just kind of setting up that Gordon needs to be there for Batman that sometimes he mm-hmm. needs saving and right. kind of setting up that uh, you know he's going to be an ally. I mean, Gordon's always an ally, obviously, but yeah. specifically in this story, he's going to be an ally in this this fight.
1: Well, because I don't think that. Gordon, if he was in the commissioner spot that Montoya was in, I don't think he would have hesitated to hit the bat signal. Whereas Montoya is very much about the, no, we're gonna do this on our own. We're the police, you know, uh, we don't want to make matters worse. Whereas Gordon has that personal relationship with him and they can lean on each other. You know. So yeah. if if it if it's bad enough that you think you need Batman, get Batman. Uh, and Gordon already understands that. So
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. That just was this nice sentiment he has here about how you know, the city's just as dark and depressing as it, was, as it always was when he mm-hmm. first arrived, but uh, there's just this hope that there's someone trying to save it always, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what Batman is. And I, I don't know, it's, there's a nice sort of yeah. general Bat sentiment towards the end. Yeah. Uh, but, um. yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty solid issue. I, I really like the uh, the build-up and, uh, again, just further developing the power this royal family has. Mm-hmm. Now that one of them, we know, is a werewolf, maybe multiple of them or, or, are yeah. or werewolves. Well-
1: We kind of know there's something mystical going on with them because the one seer lady has, like, three pupils in each eye, you know? So to say maybe they have, like, ties to to dark magic and whatnot, and that's where the werewolf stuff comes from. But also, like, uh, and I don't think this has anything to do with Barbatos, right? But the fact that that's Bruce's fear, that's what form it's taking, right? Because we have this whole thing that he's having panic attacks uh, when he went to the doctor's and it keeps showing up to him in his darkest moments and like basically you're not going to escape um i feel like that with this you know the whole idea of of gotham wants to pull people into the dark but batman is that hope that you know that shines in like the bat signal
0: and that's, to, you know. let's not forget as well that you know not only were the league coming to like try and kill mm-hmm. this family as soon as they arrived yeah. at gotham because they see this family as super dangerous like, mm-hmm. you know, like Razzie's main man, and with a suicide vest, to do it. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, if that doesn't sell you how much they how think this family's a threat, then, right? you know, nothing right.
1: will. <laughs> oh, also, if Raz was around, this family wouldn't be taking hold, right? If and hadn't, you know, got gunned down by Deathstroke, I think. Think he'd be settling for this? I don't think so. <laughs>
0: you know? Uh, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, I'm just trying to
1: put over my dude Raz,
0: that's it. It's doing a good job of building up uh yeah. like the threat of wh- what this family is and that Batman's not only just scratching the surface and you know, he spends most of this issue knocked out on a couch. So yeah. you know, it just kind sells how big a deal this is. And the fact that we can have an issue where Batman's mostly knocked mm-hmm. out and like with all these other compelling characters in the story yeah. to kinda take it forward is good because it shows you that Ram V understands that this is an ensemble cast and it's not just yeah. uh, Batman. But- so
1: it kind of feels like he's writing, like, when he was reading, or reading when we were reading Catwoman, you know, it's so hacked to say, like, Gotham is a character, but it does feel like Gotham is a character in this one, with with just the way the family's moving around, and how easy it is for them to, like, get Harvey. It just,
0: it feels like a living, breathing world where there's lots of yeah. moving parts, as opposed to it just focusing on what Batman's seeing, which can work for certain right. types of stories, but, mm-hmm. like, it feels better when it feels like it's a world that he's in, as opposed to yeah. just... You know, right. So yeah, so. that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: uh, Albuquerque's art, it, I can't wait to see the werewolf because he, he draws oh, yeah. monsters really well. Yeah, we see
0: we see like the shadow, or the silhouette uh-huh. on it here, but just, just that's all we get. We just get a tease, yeah. just a little tease Um of
1: it. Ubu and his full on uh, armor, I thought that was super well designed because I didn't realize who this was gonna be. Because again, I I'm not familiar with Ubu in the comics, so to see the dude from the animated series, I was like, oh, that's rad. Then I just looked it up and he's been around since Roz has, since the 70s. So uh stupid me. But
0: uh, yeah, he's... that
1: that that design was super cool. Um like a super ninja. So, and just like the again, the the lady with three pupils, super creeps. on that, you know. So Albuquerque's yeah. the perfect choice, I feel, for this kind of gothic dark horror story. As oh, wait,
0: he's the American vampire guy, after yeah. all. So right. why not? Right. Uh yeah, I I do actually really love that scene where Arzyn is talking to the guy who owns Arkham, uh, or thinks he owns Arkham at least. Uh, just a a lot of the the expressions are really well done. The shock in his Mm -hmm. eyes, the way he's sitting there with his head down at the end. It just it really sells the the power dynamics in the scene. Like this guy was sitting there thinking he was part of the rich elite, sitting next to this prince, and then by the end of the scene, he's like he feels small, he feels little, he feels like Mm -hmm. oh shit, um. I am a small fry in this big potato, if you will. That's not a saying, but I just made it one. Uh, yeah. So, no, really good stuff. Uh, and I never read the backup, uh, I have to be honest.
1: Yeah. No, I I might go back now because it feels like um, we kind of need to know who this kid is because I feel like it's going
0: oh, to It's a new story, though. It's not the same story. Oh, well, it's not? I finished last issue. This, this is a new backup story.
1: What's this backup story looks like, then?
0: Uh, It looks like it's doing Two-Face stuff, but it looks a bit... Ah, son of a bitch.
1: (laughs) I just got to it, and I closed closed the the book out uh, to go read something else. So, it's saved there. I'll read this. If it's Two-Face involved, you know, I'm I'm there for Two-Face. Plus Danny's art, right?
0: It's not Danny anymore. It's not? No, it's uh, Hayden Sherman's the artist now. I'm just taking L's. (laughs)
1: Just taking L's. So...
0: All right. What are you rating Detective Comics?
1: Um, I'm gonna give this an
0: 8.5. Uh, I think I'll go with a straight 8. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked the building up of the family. Uh, the sort of the sweetness of Gordon being there for Batman. All that stuff's great. Uh, the only thing I would really critique, and I love the tease of the werewolves and stuff. The only thing I'd really critique is that it doesn't really crescendo to like a final moment. Uh, it kind of felt I, I was kind of surprised when it ended. Uh, so that's just a, a minor quibble overall. But uh. I'll throw it out there. Uh, all you right.
1: Know, I was going to say real quick, you know when we reviewed Hellboy with Tim and he gave it a 10 just because it was Hellboy?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once this werewolf shows up, just put me on 10 watch. All right, don't let me do it. Just because I love werewolves that much. I okay. might pull a Tim. Yeah, just ma- make sure I temper my expectations. That's just all.
0: watch all the Howling sequels. You'll quickly learn what it is yeah. to not have a 10 I need out to 10. see the
1: Howling original. I still have yet to see it. It has been ever elusive. It's only
0: alright. Um, I don't love it. It's
1: just... No, no, but it's it's Joe Dante and its werewolves. I should have seen it by now, but I can never find it because it's, it's always, you know... And I could rent it for five bucks, but, you know, I have all these streaming services. I might as well use those. So, isn't in yeah. one of them they become marsupials? They have pouches like kangaroos?
0: That's the third one.
1: Okay. Yikes. I'll get around to it.
0: If you want to watch a movie, just rent it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's never... So. It may never come to any of the five streaming services you have.
1: You know what, though? I said that about Jay Warriors, because that was always the one that was missing. Every other Nightmare movie would be up there, but three would always be missing. Finally, it came on, and I'm glad that it did, because that is a fantastic movie. So it was well worth the wait. Maybe Halloween's oh, not that, but still.
0: Yeah, I'm not waiting for movies to hit streaming services. I'll yeah. If I want to yeah. watch a specific movie, I'll watch the goddamn specific yeah. movie. <laughs> I I ain't waiting for yeah, stupid contracts. You, yeah, you also know how stubborn I am, so... Mm. Uh, Alright. Action Comics 1048, Philip K. Johnson writing with Mike Perkins on the art in this issue. Uh, so, obviously, a change for Federici, but not a bad artist to have. Uh, no. Uh,
1: man, Perkins art. I'm going to go in heavy on this one first, just because it took me a second to realize it was Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was the coloring or the inking or whatever it was. But once I I checked the cover and I saw that it was Perkins, it all clicked. Um, but man, still doing some top notch work. Like this is this is Swamp Thing level, uh, Perkins I think. Uh, so eh, drawing like from the mundane of Lois at the zoo with with the kids, to Metallo in the jail cell to Superman fighting New Gods, looks great across the board.
0: Yeah, uh, it starts off with Lex coming to see Metallo. He's given Metallo a new body which metallo didn't want he didn't ask for uh but lex is like look you're gonna come work for me right you're gonna do this and metallo's steadfast he's like nope i'm out of this game i'm not doing it um when superman beats your ass again tell him i said hi like that's like a moment that's in this book is it yeah it's such a great little moment and then lex gets pissed and he flips the table and then he composes himself oh, this is about your sister, isn't it? Because you've got her, you don't want to disappoint her, you're not going to... And it's like, oh, God, what are you going to do, Lex? Are you, are you threatening the sister? Are you, what What is your game plan here? And it just it's like, oh, no. like He's going to do something very malicious to try and get Metallo on his side. And yeah. it hurts because like Metallo seems like he's actually... Maybe not like a goody-two-shoes necessarily, no, but he doesn't want to necessarily do anything bad. I,
1: I feel like he's done being used, yeah. right? Because we always get that where they just send Metallo in to, like essentially be a, a thug to Superman because of the kryptonite heart. Um, and I feel like he's just, he's over that by this point. Uh, and, and Lex intimates that he's dying because uh, there's there's something going on with his brain. And you got to think that that's kind of all that's left of Metallo, right?
0: Yeah, is, he's, he's is a brain, brain and a metallic body, basically. Yeah. Right.
1: So, you know, now is that Lex just being facetious? Kind of like... Hitting him with a threat. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it works anyways. either
0: way. It works either right. way. Like it sounds or, plausible that he's dying because all this has happened right. to him and he's all right. the physical changes he's went through. But at the same time, like if no one ever addresses this ever again, Alex oh, was just messing with him.
1: Oh yeah, but I'm just saying for the state that Metallo's in now, that's why he's so like I don't want anything. Just leave me alone. I want to be left in jail. You know, if I'm dying, that's so is my fate. Um yeah. but yeah, no, it's it's really good dramatics between them.
0: It's no, good stuff, and it's bookended at the end. We'll get to that when we get yeah. there. Uh, then yeah, Lois has taken the Kryptonian kids to the zoo, uh, ra and Othul-Ra, yeah. and uh, she's invited Bibbo to come and hang out with them.
1: Hey, oh dude, you know how excited I got? I love I, Bibbo,
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, he tries to interest them to ice cream and various things.
1: Uh, he, he talks about eating a gallon of ice cream. Have you ever tried to eat a gallon of ice cream? Uh, so funny.
0: Bebo, you also not... the... Bebo, if that's the way you're eating, I don't think you're long for this world.
1: No. I want Superman's your buddy. I guess it's okay. Um, you don't got to worry about much of anything else. Um, I do like that the kids don't understand what a zoo is because of, of how they were raised.
0: Like, and... So it's a prison where you keep them captive. Yeah.
1: Eh, oh, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a game ward where you go as a family to hunt the animals. No. And so I love that. And Bibo reaching through them by creating, you know, making the animals seem more dangerous than they are, you know, and I, that that's just so much fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, the big plot thing, though, is that uh, there's the arrival of the new gods, uh, particularly at the zoo. You get Orion and yeah. uh, what, Calabac? Calabac. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they and show the up. They show up and. Basically, the Fire of Olgrin that uh, Clark used, um, not on himself, though, because obviously, mm-hmm. if you remember, he used it on the, the young boy, all which right. is brought up in, in this scene as well. Uh, they're like, no. And then Metron shows up as well. And he's like, oh, on behalf of New Genesis, like, this, this energy that you took from War World was supposed to be held, to, it was supposed to be kept there dormant to never be used because it's super dangerous. And now we all want this kid. We all need to take this kid away and deal with it. And obviously Superman's not willing to let them do that. But yep. it is kind of interesting to see where this goes now, that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this power is actually this big cosmic thing that all the new gods are terrified of and they want to deal yeah. with.
1: So. Well, because, remember, he's... So if they're the fourth world, Ogren was from the first world. So mm. this this is ancient even to them. And just, you know, I don't know a lot about the new gods. Like, I'm only familiar from what, with what we've read through, like, Mr. Miracle and their appearances here and there. But in every version, Orion is just a real, real sob, mm-hmm. and and I like that Johnson keeps us going here. I I like because... the
0: uh, the art especially. I thought see when yeah. he's like he's he's basically trying to justify. He's like look hey I know this is a big deal, but hey I was taken from my father when yeah. I was a child, so this isn't that bad. Like he'll be fine.
1: <laughs> Bro, you're not fine.
0: <laughs> you know, but, uh, but him like...
1: also showing up with Calibac who's his birth brother mm-hmm. right but they're on opposite sides because of the war because of new genesis and so him showing up with essentially the apocalypse side is a bit menacing
0: it's, well it shows um, you that if both sides agree in this then totally shit yeah. how bad is this um yeah. and i love the art here because uh orion's face with the shadows on the face to just give him that you know mm-hmm. menacing touch uh yeah. as, as he's getting angry and saying that he was taken from his parents when he was a kid um yeah. and then clark remembering uh Jorel taking his son oh. and be like no i'm not letting you take this kid like i've I've done this once before and i've regretted it ever yeah. since so i'm not doing it what i yeah. relate about that is that that's relatively recent history that you know that's mm-hmm. uh from the start of rebirth or early on in rebirth and i love that that's from only a few years ago has now been used to like drive a character's motivations it feels like oh yeah that was important it's not been forgotten about because sometimes in comics when you move from yeah. run to run Sometimes writers like to just forget whatever the previous one was if they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I loved that all the history from the start of rebirth, but Superman still seems like it's fairly important. Yeah. Uh, which is nice.
1: Well, and and it keeps between this and in uh, last week's, it was last week's or two weeks ago. Whenever Son of Kal-El came out, right, we we got the reference to, uh, to when John was younger and his powers were developing. But that that version of Clark that we saw in there was from the um from that mini. Yeah, Alonso Clark. Yeah. yeah, from Alonso Clark. So, the fact that they are going back into that for the John stuff and for Clark and yeah, that scene right there and it, when it when it dawned on me, that's what that was, that that was Jarrell coming for for John. It it hit that heartstring. Yeah. And it was super effective.
0: It felt uh like a, an Aaron's moment that that mm-hmm. was relevant to what was going on that you could understand as a reader. Yep. Uh and that's this, you know, when Orion goes for the kid, he, Superman punches him and it's like, yep. oh shit, he's throwing down. Uh so you got a big full page spread of them all uh tussling. Yep.
1: Also when, when the kid when they show up to get the kid and Superman's not there right away, Bibo, who's just a dude who owns a bar, <laughs> tries to fight the new gods. Right? Mad respect for Bibo. Like
0: well, he, right, starts to, my he also demands they pay for their entry fee into the zoo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you ain't getting in without one of these. Well, that was another moment, too. I'm glad that you brought that up. When they put those wristbands on the kids, uh, Perkins draws one of them looking uncomfortable.
0: Ah, it's a nice little touch, yeah.
1: It is, because they they don't want stuff on their wrist. They just had that taken off.
0: It remain, um, obviously, it's it's, it's harmless. Yeah. It's just a tag to right. show that you're paid to get in. But right. they see this as like reminding them of the chains and the shackles. Yeah, so.
1: so that was a nice nice moment to hold through the art.
0: Yeah, it's but a nice yeah. touch. Uh, you know, the art's very good. I mean, obviously, I think Perkins, like, his body... Like uh mm. proportions are always like that big full yeah. page spread where Superman's mm-hmm. fighting Orion and Kalabak, Like mm-hmm. you know, it's not the the best proportions I've ever seen. They no. look a little bit misshapen at places. Where Perkins shines is mood, it's facial expressions, yeah. it's the it's the atmosphere, and that all stuff mm-hmm. that stuff all is nailed. Like, you know, it goes back to yep. uh you know the end of the story here. It goes back to Strikers Island, it goes back to Metallo. And it's basically just the guards telling Metallo, oh. hey, your sister didn't show up this week, but don't worry, she's probably just sick or something. Yeah, man, she got sick and... And obviously we know it's Lex. We, uh-huh. we know Lex is behind us somehow. And it's just him sitting in the darkness, hearing the, the the guards talk about the fact that Superman's fighting new gods at the zoo. And it's like, is he sitting there considering, oh, maybe I should do this to get my sister back. You know, j- just do what Lex wants. Which is really sad, because you kind of want him to resist, but ultimately he's going yep. to... And you're really going to feel sad for him, because Lex is pushing him into it, which is nice. Right. It makes him a more sympathetic villain, which is, uh, yeah, I think, always nice to have that. You know, especially when he's standing next to Lex, who's very unsympathetic. Yes. <laughs> so, by all means. Uh, yeah. And then you've got the new gods, who are not sympathetic in the same way as metallo but at least it seems like they've got a reason for doing what they're doing which you know they may ultimately be proven right we don't know yet like you know maybe this kid's going to erupt into some sort of dangerous like weapon at some point we don't know
1: yeah uh well we'll get there with the backup but there's a moment where they they call the superman family the house of l yeah which then also reminded me of that story that's told in the future about the descendants of superman Mm-hmm. And there is that one bad one, right? That that becomes like the scourge ah, of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if if that has, you know, fire of uh, of Algren, if that's a thing that happens later, you know, if that's his line now, you know, um, because he was mentioned as a son of Superman. So is is that, you know, this kid in the future? Uh, we don't know, but but yeah, um, super good stuff, super compelling.
0: Like, yeah, I liked everything it's set up. I was not expecting new gods to come into it. the only The only thing I'll really say is that they're they're, they're billing this as part three of like you know Return of Kal El, yeah, and Superman. You know, the last issue was part two, and I'm like, these are just two separate stories. He happens to just be back in both, but they're not. It's right. not an ongoing story that's bouncing between them at all. Right. You could totally just read Action or just read Superman, and you'd be fine.
1: Yeah, well, maybe they they want people reading them more. I guess oh and yeah but it's, it's kind of a
0: trick it's kind of like a yeah. not a nasty trick but it's it's a little no. underhanded yeah so, well yeah. I mean
1: if you're a Superman fan I can't imagine you not reading both but you know there's people out there that well unless have you're homophobic make... yeah, yeah well I'm not thinking of them I'm thinking of the people that maybe you know have to make a decision at the comic book sure, store sure yeah
0: they can only afford you know? out so many comics right. and they have to pick one or the other yeah yeah right
1: so you know maybe this will help you make your decision and pick something else so um, yeah if you're if you're trying to follow both at the same time,
0: but yeah, yeah. um, and then the yeah the backup, uh, which is uh, La with Supergirl and mm-hmm. she sort of learned how to fly properly, uh, mm-hmm. and Supergirl's talking about every you know member of the House of El, which includes Keenan, interestingly. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I like that. Yeah. I like how she compares Thala to to Keenan, where his powers were a little bit different because of where he gets them from, but he had the uh you know this this part where. He had to learn to control them, too. And now, you know, look where he is. He's a mem- full-fledged member of the family. Yeah. So, um, I did like that.
0: Yeah, so anyway, this is about Chaitl, who mm-hmm. is uh, coming in the name of Mongol Who Was uh, and wants to cause chaos. And we find out that he is, you know, he he's actually survived... A lot of Mongols. He's he's kind of the oldest living warzun. He's,
1: yeah, he's the oldest living warzun, which is why he's missing all of his limbs.
0: Yeah, and because he's like still he's super dangerous. Them up in battle. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's still super dangerous because all of the other warzuns worship him so much that you know he they just yeah. do his bidding for him. Like he doesn't ha- he doesn't need his own limbs in a, in, in a right. weird way.
1: they become his limbs. I like that part too.
0: Yeah. So and also, without like her super hearing kicks in for the first time, yeah. but she hears something underground in the city, mm-hmm. uh, which. Sets up for our, our uh our cliffhanger, which is that uh Chetil has raised this you know demonic thing out of an egg which was explained yep. in some of the story here that yeah. rumors rumors are that he won back in the day because he he left this planet which the planet thought they were done of like the war zones, and they were left yep. safe but he had planted this egg which hatched this monster uh which seems to have hatched under metropolis here at the end of the the backup so yeah, we're you know. it seems like it's going to be just a, a more simple action story, but it is still related to the main plot. We're still dealing with Theola. It's nice to have a little bit of Supergirl in here in the backup, which is kind mm-hmm. of like maybe preemptive of uh, what they're doing with the format in January, which is, you know, the backups are going to feature other super characters, which is nice. So they're kind of already doing that here with these, uh, although it's still by Johnson, so you may expect yeah. it'll be a bit more relevant to what's going on. At the very least, it's spinning out of the aftermath of, of the of War this. World saga. So. Yeah yeah so but no, yeah it's all right no, i
1: like that i love the, all the chadil stuff because this is what um johnson's been doing so well through the war world is is these little stories that make up the characters that you know we knew chadil was dangerous but this going into why he's dangerous mm-hmm. you know uh because he's the oldest living war zone and
0: people just listen to him um and that's what makes him dangerous he has a following yeah you know uh, the art in the backup is by David Lapham which mm-hmm. is a bit of a tonal shift from the main story for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, it's this very bubbly, you know, rounded yeah. figures type that is right. more Dodson's-esque
0: than it's a lot more flat as well. There's not a lot of yeah. detail, especially in the bodies I felt. There was yeah. times where proportions in Supergirl felt off because our body was like drawn with like no detail and yeah. it's so flat in terms of uh you know, there, there wasn't much drawn in to give it shape. And as a result, like her legs look kind of weird. There's, there's one panel; it's, it's when a uh, Thylas superhero is kicking in, and all the doom, doom, mm-hmm. doom, dooms around her head. Like Supergirl's yeah. like body shape looks kind of weird because her legs just look so flat. Uh, yeah. You know. So it's just it's just one of those things where uh, I don't think the art's bad, but it definitely is a different style and a bit more old school, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but yeah. Uh, no, it's certainly an interesting issue, issue of action, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, what it's doing. Yeah uh what are you uh rating action comics one thousand forty eight i'm young' a nine whoa Matt's yeah. just dishing out the the happy scores this week
1: I just wait Well, we'll get we'll get to not so happy scores but you know
0: interesting uh yeah. i will again I i'll go uh that's a little bit under i'll say eight point five i think it's really good yeah go. uh, i like everything It's teasing and uh perkins art was was nice obviously different from federici but uh I appreciate that they went with another moody artist because it mm-hmm. at least felt a bit more similar than, say, if they'd switched to what well, well, the backup is where all of a sudden it's this bubbly, colourful art. Yeah. Um, I don't think that would have fit, so I appreciate that. So, very good. DC vs. Vampires, issue 10, James the IV and Matthew Rosenberg writing with Al mm-hmm. Schmidt on the art. So, uh, it's been a very similar story, actually, with these issues. Not yeah. in a bad way, but just in that uh, yeah. we've got these three plans playing out. Uh, and the issue is very much split between these three plots mm-hmm. and going through them. Uh, so it leaves me with not a whole but much to say yeah. in terms of overall analysis, other than just yeah. there's some fun beats with the various plots as they're going in. You know, you've got uh, Babs and Co going into Gotham, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like Damien had Starfire at the ready to take out Black Adam, who comes after him. Yeah, them.
1: but she she has to go above the atmosphere, so she's only good for like one. One good shot per time. Yeah. So it, I, I do like that, you know, storytelling wise, she can't just come in there and start frying vampires all the time. I suspect. Uh, sh- Solar powered as well.
0: Yeah, I suspect she'll come in for one big hit in the, the final issue yeah. again. Uh... Well,
1: and then the fact, too, that Damien's like, yeah, and it's going to drive Dick nuts knowing that she's working against him. I love that. Because that, what does that mean for Babs? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if Starfire is one of his lost loves, Babs is his ultimate. And she's coming to kill him.
0: Yeah, I did get Um, a a little chuckle out of them when they get in and punchlines there, and she's taking over the uh, black market in Gotham. I love that Harley's like, wait, you took my old gig? Like, have you ever done anything original in your life? I (laughs) I don't know. I love that. I got a kick out of that. And and
1: I got to feel like that came from Tynan, right? Uh, Considering he created Punchline.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: You know? um, But it could have been Rosenberg, too. I feel like Rosenberg has a lot of fun, quippy stuff too and books that I read. But yeah, that that was a fun moment. Um, Harley and and the the naked fight scene, not not so much. Like uh, that's more the Harley that I don't I'll give context.
0: You gotta just skip ahead and say that without
1: Yeah yeah yeah. So they they've punchline is because since she's taken over, she's like, well yeah I'll let you in because overall I'm a businesswoman. But you guys gotta do stuff for me. And they go to Babs and they want uh, punchline wants her to go kill a human in Gotham. That's working against them. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm here to save lives, not take lives. But of course, Damien goes and, and does it. And uh, it ends up being two-faced, which I thought was, was interesting. Um, Damien goes, kills two-faced, but while, while they're settling that a, a guard comes in to get Harley and she's remind me of the context why she was naked
0: so she's basically dressed up a mop to look like <sighs> That's her right is right? a as a yeah. distraction and then she yeah. knocks out the the guard or whatever and she's running around naked and then runs into the others and it turns out yeah. that guard was coming in to let her out which is the joke right. is that she didn't have to yeah. do this but uh she's just uh i got a little chuckle of damien seeing her and going looking yeah. good harley i'm like you're, like, technically still, like, 13 here. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, got, yeah, I, I was, got a slight chuckle no, not,
1: not so much that of the comedy I, I was enjoying. I mean, the setup would have been fine if it wasn't so... I don't know. It was way kind of over the top. Is there in the yeah.
0: tone. Did you like... But... Uh, so, the other team, Supergirl and Steel, arrive mm-hmm. in Australia. He gives Supergirl right. CPR uh, to... You know, because she's, she's yeah. is drowned... And it turns out the water in her lungs is actually Jaina, who did yeah. that intentionally to try and help keep her alive and also as yeah. a bit of transport.
1: <laughs> I didn't mind it, because it does check out with Jaina and, and her, her form of water. So, um, that, that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Them, them being in Australia and that starkness there is completely different than what we're getting in, in the Gotham stuff. So I thought Schmidt really shifting between those um, you could really tell the difference in in the settings. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, and then uh, they find this tower in the desert in yeah. Australia that they were looking for. Uh, the other yep. thing of note is uh, Oliver in Smallville. He ba- after talking to Hawkman and try to get him to like you know mm-hmm. turn against everyone, which doesn't work because he's a vampire. Of course, Oliver pulls out uh, you know a leaf or something and pisses on it, yep. which grows into Swamp Thing. Uh, that's his big master plan. He had a bit of Swamp Thing on him that he. Yep. And some awkwardness afterwards. He's like, "Oh yeah, we'll never talk about this again." Uh, yeah. You peeing on me. No.
1: The, the the one part of the humor that worked there is the guy that he's talking to. I, I don't started. know if that. Uh, that's right. It is a grifter. Is is thinking that he has weed or something, because he pulls out the leaf, and asks him for water, and then when he pees on it, he goes, "Well, never mind. I don't want to share with you." I thought that was pretty funny. The, the peeing on it was a little bit much, but whatever.
0: Yeah, um, it does feel like it was going for some comedy beats this issue because yeah. the big fights about to kick in for the last yeah. two. Uh, yeah. The other big plot point, of course, is that Babs turns on the bat signal in Gotham, and everyone's like, "Wait, is this a good idea? They're going to know where we are." It turns yeah. out that all of her uh, associates in the city, which you know, seems to be Cash Duke, uh, you know, various a lot of other the bat c- family, yeah, yeah. W- whoever ones are left, Huntress is there. Uh, they have been planting these bat signals all over the city that use UV light so yeah. uh she burns up a vampire and then all of the other bat family members are like you know aiming these signals at vampire and mm-hmm. it's just making them burst into flames yeah. so it's like oh shit she had this plan they've set this up there's some good visuals here yeah. uh and this is your big you know Dick's hiding behind a shield uh yeah. i open his tower and it's like okay he's they're coming for him so
1: yeah if, uh, and i like i like when she talks through it that you know that Dick being the king of the vampires would, wouldn't want like blood farm blood. He'd want like free range humans. So he kept Gotham as kind of like a, a, a free-esque city where humans could move around so yeah. he could hunt. And so that allowed her to have her people there uh, surviving that were able to put these UV bat signals in. And, you know, she reminds you that she learned at the, the foot of Bruce, too. You know, it wasn't just Dick and Tim and Jason. Like, don't forget about bats. Jabs is very competent at being a Bat, too. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Yeah, so I don't
0: really have too much to say. There was some fun yeah. out. I, and that's not to say, I, I'm not even critiquing the issues. I say that. It's no. just It's just continuing to be fun. It's using, mm-hmm. it's, it's all mixing the characters up and having them use things that make sense in the context mm-hmm. of, the, of the story. And it, whether it's, you know, growing Swamp Thing or Jaina being inside Supergirl's lungs yeah. or whatever, it's mixing up some DC elements in fun ways. Um, yeah. But I will say this back half has felt like we've been following these three groups on this mm-hmm. trip for like three or four issues now. So it maybe yeah. feels like it's maybe just a little stretched out in terms of getting to yeah. the big finale, which seems like yeah. we're going to be getting to. So we're, we, two, have, we have two issues left and I suspect yeah. it's going to be a big two part, you know, epic yeah. thing. Bang, bang.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it was good. And, and just the, like the smaller character moments here, like with, with Ollie, when he's trying to talk to Hawkman who, notoriously in, in normal continuity. Those two do not get along, but him trying to appeal to his humanity mm. and all the lives he's lived. And then, you know, Aliander's best, like, yeah, you know, Hal thought he was invincible too. And look what happened there. So I, I I like that. I like the, you know, his hope in the face of, or hope still in the face of adversity, you know, that's Oliver Queen. But yeah, other than that, it is a lot of these big action he beats, which is fine as, as we barrel towards the end. So, but yeah, it's just a fine book.
0: Yeah, are you giving it? Uh seven point five. I agree. Seven point five is what I was saying as well. Enjoyable, it's progressing things along. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, the Human Target issue eight, Tom King writing with Greg Smallwood on R. So, uh, big things here. Uh, Red Rocket, or Rocket Red. I said it the Rocket wrong way Red. around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Red Rocket's a completely different character. Yes. Uh Rocket Red shows up, they're lying in bed and just starts opening fire on yeah. on Chance. Think, yeah. yeah. And he tries to block it for a bit. So we got a cool little shootout scene. Um I really like the pacing of this where like mm-hmm. Chance is like he's, he's jumped down to the side of the bed and he's taking the shot back and like Rocket Red's like you can see him through the hole in the door where he's blasted the shotgun. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey, don't shoot at me again. I, you know, this is new armor or new paint on my armor yep. and he shoots him. It just does a huge comedy beat to it, and then obviously it skips ahead to Chance waking up because he's been knocked out. Yep. Um, and yeah, so there's a couple of running things here. Every time Chance gets knocked out and wakes up, he always asks for what time it is, and yep. the you know Rocket Red just says something vague like, "Oh, you've missed lunch, or you've missed dinner, right. or something." It's not until the very last time where he reveals Fine. what the time actually is. Uh, but yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, what did you make of the Rocket Red issue anyway?
1: So so I got to say, unless I'm mistaken, this is the most action centric issue, maybe since the Guy Gardner stuff. Mm-hmm. And even then, that was towards the end. But this is a lot of like that, that shootout scene at the beginning. Like we haven't really had anything like that up to this point. Uh, so that was a nice shock to, to, you know, to shake things up, as it were. Um, and then just chance constantly falling asleep. I kept going like, OK, but he's got a poison. Like he's think, he's missing a day.
0: Yeah, yeah the two um, the two things that stuck out to me about this yeah. issue is one Rocket Red tells a story about how or actually no, it's Chance who tells yeah. it in his narration. Mm-hmm. But he tells a story about how um how Russia won this 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 war against Napoleon and all that. Right. And it was basically they were willing to lose and lie in wait and then strike when they least expected it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, part of me was thinking, oh, is this like chance is willing to lose? That's the poison. Mm-hmm. Like he's willing to lose until he ultimately wins, right? Mm-hmm. Are we teasing something there? But the other thing to kind of contradict that a little bit is that at the end, when yeah. he finds out it's the end of the day and he gets mad and he's like, damn it, I've missed the whole day because of you. Right. It's maybe the first time in the whole book that I think I really felt him care but right, he was dying. Coming to
1: grips with this yeah. mortality.
0: Yeah. And it's the only time I've maybe questioned that he's not got something up his sleeve. And maybe I, he is actually scared of dying now.
1: Well, I think. So, my rationalization there, right? The, the part of my brain that wants to be right that he's got something up his sleeve is I lost one day because of this guy to find out, to, to complete my mission of who tried to kill Lex. Like, he's, he kind of guesses that it was Guy because of the poison and whatnot, but he still doesn't really have. Proof because they killed Guy. Um, and it's and worth, I feel it's, like that, it's worth that's mentioning, just frustration.
0: It's worth mentioning Rocket Red is here because he's looking for Guy.
1: Right. He's looking for Guy because he called Guy, and him and Guy are best friends. And that usually, you know, he checked and he's not off planet. And he checked, he's not on planet. So that means he must be dead. Because if Guy Gardner's not responding, um, and so he went to the last place that he, you know, heard that he was going, that was to meet him. And so, yeah, he even, uh, you know, he does the, the guy Gardner trick of taking someone up into space, right, and then dropping them so they'll talk um, to, to Chance, and Chance is still, still replying with basically an F off.
0: John, uh, I actually like that he he recaps the whole plot up until this point as we get yep. that long vertical panel as he's falling through the yeah. sky. It's kind of, just a kind of representative of, like, he's falling deeper and deeper into mm-hmm. this uh, story. I don't story. know. It's, it yeah. kind of worked. It's just weird. You, yeah. you, you don't normally put the recap of the story in the middle mm-hmm. of the book, but it kind of worked in this right. way.
1: It, yeah, I know it does. But yeah, but that's where it made me feel like Chance's frustration, not just with dying, but with the overall that, you know, he's, he feels like he's in the brambles now and he's getting caught up on all of them. Um, so it's not as cut and clear as he thought and, and he's lost a day. Of this now, um, and I just felt that frustration at the end, and I did love that, and that, thats the art and the story and the words working together, uh, perfectly.
0: Yeah, uh, ultimately, when he wakes up at the end, it's, uh, even though Rocket Red was convinced that Chance had killed Guy, he's heard mm-hmm. a a transmission from him, which you know uh, we, we get a little explanation yeah. for that afterwards. That the Ace sent a recording to him, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he—he he, you know he. He gets mad, uh, even though rocket red has been friendly enough, uh, right. handing him booze and he punches him, um, and kicks him and gets really mad because yeah. you took a day from me. I've, I've wasted a day because of you. And Ace mm-hmm. has to stop him because she's worried she make, he may kill him. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so we end this really tranquil moment, uh, of, mm-hmm. you know, with ice and chance in bed, uh, and he's happy to be lying next to her and he's taking a drink. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he says at the end, you know, I died yesterday, I died today, and I'll die tomorrow. I'm the human target, that's the game. It is almost like it's in big neon lights, like, mm-hmm. don't worry, at the end of the story, he's meant yeah. to have died, and it's okay because right. he's the human target.
1: Right. Yeah. But just that frustration at the end, and then the whole thing that Rocket Red tells him of, in Russia, they they drink to celebrate, so, you know, births, and or, you know, at a funeral to celebrate their life. So he doesn't always drink so then at the end when he offers him that drink it, it's you know there's nothing for chance to celebrate you know and you know he smashes it odd rocket writer so that was a nice touch you know uh but yeah, now small art's fantastic it, it's it's completely different than even the last issue which was a lot you know that last issue was a lot uh, building on the fire and ice dynamic uh, with chance Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of expressions and a lot of talking and a lot of back and forth. Here was a lot more, you know, we got the action sequence and then a lot of him, you know, doing things and having that conversation, but in a different way than last issue. So it's nice to see Small would be able to change it up.
0: Um, yeah. And there's, uh, I, I think one other thing that sticks out to me is, you know, he reiterates at the end with a narration that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the reason how Russia won is that to win, you have to have nothing to lose. So you have yeah. to let, you know, so in that case, they let Moscow burn. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is maybe setting up this idea that he's starting to care more. Let's assume that he doesn't have something up his sleeve yeah. and he's actually scared that he's dying. The reason yeah. why he cares for the first time now is because of ice. The idea right. that he ha- he has something to lose now. Right. So I
1: think that he had nothing now he has everything.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I think that's why that that final moment feels really better. You know, she's like on his chest yeah. and she's you know sleeping happily and okay. he, and he's lying there just looking dead straight up. It's it's almost yep. like this realization. Oh, I care about dying now. And that's why this hurts. It,
1: it's gonna be a real kick in the pants or or nuts. Or take it wherever. When it's gonna be revealed that ICE did all this.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, and he was so blinded by this relationship with her. Yeah. That it yeah, it is gonna oh it's gonna hurt.
0: I think th- this is partly why like him getting angry and, and mm-hmm. kicking the shit out of Rocket Red and saying you took a day from me works so well. Is yeah. because it does come quite abruptly, and I think it's abrupt to him as well. I think yeah. him feeling this way is a new feeling, and I don't think yeah. he's used to processing it. Yeah. So, because
1: he, he even talks about that with his dad, that he was never going to get, you know. Mm. He wasn't going to be that guy. He was going to be the other guy, you know. Um, and his dad, that's why his dad was crying, because he had everything to lose, and that wasn't going to be him. And now, in a way, he's kind of become his dad. And oh my God, that falls in as I'm talking this out. That falls in with the Tom King dad narrative. You know, a lot of his stories are difficult relationships with dads. Um, and man, see? Tom King always finding new stuff as we talk this out. This is why these books are great.
0: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, it's funny, it's almost like... I would say it's on the lower end of these issues, just because I, I yeah. probably wouldn't rank it higher than like maybe six of the other issues, but... Mm-hmm. That, the, the fact that it's still this good is the, the compliment to it, and obviously the yeah. art is fantastic. The the pacing and the action at the start, uh, you know, as much as there's maybe not as much subtle facial expression stuff here, that final page, the way that Chris is looking up at the ceiling as, like, ice is lying on his chest, mm. there's so much in, in that, that look uh, when you pair it with everything that the book's been saying that you know, that, that magic is still in there, and it's still working, like, overdrive all the time to yep. to get across everything that's happening. There's a performance to the characters, which is great. So, uh, what are you rating the Human Target issue 8?
1: I'm going to give this one
0: an 8.5. I will agree with the 8.5. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. All right. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, issue mm-hmm. 2. Bruce Campbell writing with Eduardo Rizzo on the art. I did not read this. I had, like, mm-hmm. three Black Label books that are huge to read this week, so I did skip this for now. But uh, Matt read it, so yeah, take it away.
1: So, um, you know, Sergeant Rock's finding out about these zombies, uh, and they keep attacking, and there's, you know, they're, they're proving to be um, difficult for Easy Company. Um, and it, it starts off with these Nazi zombies in a bar, and they're getting drunk, and they keep shooting at each other because they can't die. Um, and this is where Easy Company, they're, they're kind of peering in and seeing what they're up against. And um, Sergeant Rock's trying to put together a plan. And so it ends up with them coming across a, what they think is a regular truck full of Nazis that's actually full of these not, or Nazi zombies. And it ends up being a fight. And so a lot of it, this this issue reads really quick because it's a lot of action sequences and not a lot of dialogue. So the toll, you know, Rizzo is really earning his paycheck here because uh, of the stories told through the art and the reactions. And so they defeat these zombies and they, they find out that they're part of something called Project uh, Regenerate. Um, and they use their thermal binoculars that they got in the last issue um, to find out that they're being made with some kind of uh, technology with, with chemicals and, and fire. And because they notice that the fire's coming in, and I feel like this is going to be the, you know, so the book's going to end with the big bang, right? Because if if they're using all of this, you know, gas and or, or whatever it is to make the zombies, that that's how you're going to unmake them. Um, but they notice this this car pull up, and it, it's got a shadowy figure inside, and the shadowy figure kind of threatens the the rest of them. That he goes, hey. You know, the Fuhrer's coming, and we need, you know, supplies of this, this, and that uh, for him. And the, the people of the project are trying to tell the shadowy figure, like, well, you know, the supply lines, you know, the, the war is making it tough for us to do this. So kind of what we have is what we have. And the guy leans out, and it's Hitler's personal doctor, Morrill. Uh, and that's where Sergeant Rock sees who they're dealing with. And, and that's where it ends is with with them realizing what exactly they're up against. And then it's Hitler's personal physician that's that's behind this. I Man, yeah, lots of fun zombie action. We get easy company, you know, blowing them up and, and you know, taking heads off with shovels and, you know, whatever else. And finding out that fire is very effective against these zombies. Um, so, yeah, no, just... Nice, simple, quick read. I like that it only took me like eight minutes to read. Uh, and, and, you know, a week that had some very big other books that, that didn't, you know, that weren't as quick. Um, but yeah, definitely if, if you were taking the first issue, this is more of that, just with uh, less actual reading. So I'll give this a
0: 7.5. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman Lonely City, issue four, Cliff Chang uh both writing and on art it's been a long time since the third issue uh so forgive me if i don't remember all the uh supporting characters names and stuff because uh it has been a while but uh this was the heist to get into the back cave and that's kind of where we start off at the start of this issue it's um them kind of at the entrance and there's kind of like a magical illusion uh to like stop people from getting in uh, which Selena figures out if she just says uh, whatever it is backwards, uh, you know, she'll she'll get in and it works. They have a couple of false attempts mm-hmm. though, and there's a little bit of like dealing with Etrigan, who at first wants to not be on their side, but then is convinced to. But uh, sounds like Etrigan. Yeah, we see you know some flashbacks to Fool's night, which was the night that you know Batman died, and there was stuff going on with the Joker and and Gordon and all that. Um, but I think you know the big stuff to talk about here. Oh I'm sorry, Matt, would you like to watch some TV? Uh
1: not not TV, but you know, keep keep going.
0: Okay.
1: I, I had the volume all the way down and it popped back up for whatever stupid reason. Yeah, okay, so, okay. Yep.
0: uh so yeah, you know, there's some the acrobatics to get into the cave and like a secret like uh sensor that Catwoman has to jump up and press and all the rest of it. But honestly, you know, other than the fact that Two Face comes in with these bat army to try and take them on and uh you know Selena sacrifice not sorry, Selina, sorry, uh, uh, Poison Ivy sacrifices herself to block them and, like, crushes herself under all the rock uh, and causes a cave-in. So she has a big death, which leads to kind of a nice thing at the end where there's, like, a a poison ivy-looking tree that's grown in the rubble of uh, Wayne Mansion and stuff. But the big thing is, like, what this Orpheus stuff is. So Catwoman... Batman said to Catwoman on his deathbed, you have to get Project Orpheus. You have to get to Orpheus. And they find some footage in the cave of this being used and what it is. It turns out Batman had mixed the Lazarus Pit resin with uh, Bane's venom, and it kind of it it basically it negated the the bad side effects of either to like just properly like save someone. However, it would only last a short amount of time. So he used it on Alfred, right? So we get these this footage of like, Alfred's like feeble and he's dying, and he gives him this stuff, and he's fine and he's perfect and he's hip and he's spry. But he only lasted a week a week later he was like really sick again and he died and selena has this realization that this thing that batman had asked to get get to like you have to get to this batman was asking this because he wanted to keep fighting he wanted selena to resurrect him so that he could keep fighting for one more week he could keep being batman for one more week or however long it could last I love this way more
1: than that stupid Batman machine from Snyder. Yeah, John.
0: yeah. That, this I li- is way better. I like this as well because Selena like has this, like this like hurtful realization that this last request wasn't about her. It wasn't about them as a couple. It wasn't him finally like sort of seeing her as the most important thing in his life. It was still the fight. It was still the war on crime. God. Even in his deathbed, that's what he was asking about.
1: God, you put this in with the, the Tom King final story that Lark drew. Yeah. And it makes it that much more tragic. He's surrounded by family. He's like, no, hook the hook the drugs to me. I'm going to go out fighting.
0: <laughs> so I actually really like this as a final beat. And it was because mm-hmm. it kind of goes up against this idea that Bruce has always said that, the you know, anything imagining a life after Batman is nothing but a dream. It's not real. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is that can Selina have a life after Catwoman? And that's kind of what the, the book starts to get to here. And there's other stuff that grown-up Clarion shows up to deal with Ettrick at one point. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glossed yeah. over some of the ins and outs of the fighting. Because to me, the interesting stuff is the ending, and it is this idea that Selina does somehow get out of this fight, right? Uh, Two faces caught on camera shooting some of his cops, so he, he goes back to Arkham. He's not a right. mayor anymore. Babs is elected the new mayor of the city, and all this other stuff. And you know, it turns out Selina is going to help train um, Edie, this young woman who's kind of taken after her, to be this new vigilante, and she's helping her train. She's giving her hints and tips. She seems to be having something of a romance with old man, you know, Edward, uh, you know, Redler. Um, mm-hmm. I almost said Edward Hitler there. And Joe, you know what's so funny about that. No, there's a, there's a reason why that popped in my head. There's a TV show in the UK from the '90s called Bomb. And it's a slapstick comedy where they hit each other a lot. And the character named Eddie, there's a joke that comes up where his last name is Hitler. And <laughs> someone says to him, "Any relation?" And he goes, "Yes, I've got a mother." And that just—I think that's where that came out of my head here. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so yeah, um, you know, so she's finding some sort of you know old age romance with uh, with Riddler. She's. Uh, seemingly okay and the the last scene of the book is she actually meets barbara on a rooftop uh and babs is basically kind of like commissioner gordon here where she's saying hey you know my dad like yeah he was like half deaf in one ear so he was easy to sneak up on doesn't work with me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so selena like steps out from behind the the door and they have this conversation about how babs is like look i want to do this the right way but sometimes like you know like, my dad understood this, Bruce understood this, that sometimes there's some conspiracies and there's some bad things that need to be brought out of the shadows into the light. And someone working outside the system can do that, and that's why Batman existed. And maybe you could, sort of, you and your team could be that now. And it's basically asking Selena to sort of be that for her. And mm. it comes right after they're talking about how the city, it's kind of hard to recognize. There's all these new buildings that are made out of glass that light up at night, and it doesn't really look like the Gotham of old and selena's response to all this like request is like she's like i'm sorry uh but honestly now that i'm looking at these buildings again i actually think they look quite nice they look like uh like jewels in the city you see this big city sky shot of like there's a blue building a green building a purple building they're all lit up in different colors and it's this idea that this is the end this is the last page is that she, unlike Bruce, is actually going to turn her turn down this offer. She's going to actually accept a life after this in some capacity. Uh, and not just become a new version of Catwoman or a new version of Batman. She's going to actually accept some closure and move on. Uh, so it's kind of a happy ending. Uh it's kind of this old age, coming of age story about leaving behind all these things. And it's not necessarily shitting on the legacy of Batman or shitting on like how she was with them. But accepting that I'm not like him, I don't have to, like, stick to this and, like, be obsessed with it my whole life. I can be something else. I can be happy in other ways. So, yeah. It's got got a nice ending. I I, I liked it as an examination of her. And to be honest, if I'm comparing this to Batman Catwoman that Tom King did, which is one of the Tom King things that we weren't so hot on, Mm -hmm. I do think this is a much more satisfying ending to her. It kind of separates her from Batman and, like this realization that he was never going to not be Batman and that she can be something else is kind of like a a nice happy ending that's brutally honest about who Batman is in a negative way without shitting on him and let Selina be her own character at the end and sort of move on. So, yeah. Uh, No,
1: yeah. It's good. I like that a lot. So that that Project Orpheus with, with the name, right? So in mythology... Orpheus is oh, they, this... yeah,
0: they brought this yeah. up and the I, oh, they did? I, I just do not okay. bother explaining that. <laughs>
1: gotcha. I didn't know if you knew and why that name is very clever. Yeah, yeah, to
0: yeah. Give yeah. the
1: writer all the credit because, you know, he so for those that don't know, Orpheus, you know, marries this lady named uh, Eurydice and she's killed by a snake bite, but he's so in love he manages to go to the land of the dead to bring her back. And Hades is like, Yeah, you can, but just know that you can't look back Continue out of the cave, so he's going. He's going. He doesn't look back. He gets to the very end. He hasn't heard from her. He looks back, and she goes back to the land of the dead. Um, and so this just this whole idea of Project Orpheus allowing him to go back, but not stay back. You know, uh, very very clever. So good. And even, good, and, good. And,
0: even, and even that not looking back thing, you could apply that to Selena, and that she had mm-hmm. to you know, move forward and not look back, or. She yeah. would never have left the cave. Literally, in this case, because it's a back mm-hmm. game, but yeah, there's some thematic things there that are kind of nice yeah. in the way it ties I like up.
1: So, I might have to go and read this now, that it's, it's completed. Yeah. Because um, it, it, does, it does sound like a, a much better version of, of the Batman-Catwoman kind of themes they were going for
0: yeah obviously the story itself is very different but yeah.
1: yeah 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 but just the themes there of you know is what it, Catwoman is post-Batman
0: he's giving Catwoman kind of like a Catwoman Returns style ending mm-hmm. in her old age this was a better story I think that pulled that mm-hmm. off better um and it gives a you know it gives some dramatic deaths to a lot of other characters you know Poison Ivy's dead at the end of this Killer Croc's dead at the mm-hmm. end of this uh you know and uh, it's got these new characters introduced that, you know, may continue on in her legacy and do good things, but she's not actively going to be the new Batman or, or even like <laughs> th- the Catwoman again, because yeah, she has to move on. She can move on, unlike on Bruce. So, no, yeah. uh, very good. Uh, I, I think I have to just uh, go all out here and give it the nine out of 10. Uh, there you go. Yeah, no, it was just, it was such a good satisfying conclusion where I didn't really know where this was going with the landing. And I never really questioned what the Orpheus thing was because it, I didn't think it could be satisfying, but I actually right. think what it... The realization it gave Catwoman made it so satisfying that I'm like, you know what, this, yeah. this really stuck the landing.
1: Yeah, I, I do love that too, that Bruce was able to synthesize the Lazarus resin with Venom, and it got rid of the bad effects of both, but of course it only lasts a short time. Yeah. Because it, it has to come with a cost. Uh, and the fact that he gave it to, to Alfred too, to try to give him one last week of, of being Alfred... Uh, God, that's so tragic.
0: Yeah, but there is like a sweetness to it where Alfred even he's mm-hmm. getting sick again, he's like, No, 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 I will like I I have very few regrets, but the one regret right. I will not have is keeping you from doing what you do. So you're gonna right. go out there tonight, sir. Uh and yeah. you know, be Batman. Blah blah blah. See
1: that's this is the Batman I love, is that type of stuff. Those big themes. Yeah. You know, and that Bruce is still looking over Alfred after Alfred looked after him all those years. So uh Man, wait, don't mess up the return of Alfred, please. Don't
0: don't do this to me. I would debate that there is a return of Alfred, but that's a, that's yeah. a conversation for Batman vs. Yeah. Robin next issue. Uh, all right, cool. Let's uh, Catwoman only say mm-hmm. Rogues issue four. Oh. Joshua Williamson writing with Leo Max on art. So this is the first of the two Black Label books from last week that mm-hmm. we pushed because uh, we had so many books to talk about last week that we need the breathing room. Yep. So yeah, you know, we we kind of left off issue three with. Uh, them having Grodd's kid and Cold wanting yep. to use the kid as leverage, and that's where we pick up here, uh, more or less. Um, and yeah, they all die by the end, which is not surprising necessarily. It kind of no. felt like it might have had like, the, the Dirty Dozen style thing at the There's end.
1: There is that, but there is a, uh, a death of two characters at the end that did come as a shock oh, yeah. to me. There's, there's, and that was executed perfectly.
0: Those the two good characters who you think might get a second chance, mm-hmm. who, are, who are definitely the nicer of the characters, and that they seem yeah. to have turned over a new leaf, and they yeah. want to do good.
1: Oh, that one, that one was a heart ripper. But like I figured, cold at the end, cold has nothing to lose, right? He, so he's, he's like, I'm going out on my feet.
0: He he has a very uh, I don't want to say generic because I actually quite liked it, but. He, mm-hmm. he has a very traditional ending for mm-hmm. a character like that at the end of the story where he's yep. literally just lying on his back and it's his eyes closing and going to white yep. that is the end of the story. It's very... Multiple movies and TV shows I've seen have ended with a character dying like this. and mm-hmm. But it's, it seemed perfect in, in, the, in the context of this and uh, him going out the way yeah. he, he kinda wants to, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah,
1: because uh, I like the idea that like he starts off Uh, the story by talking about how his dad was a cop, right? But uh, he got so wrapped up in being a cop and he wasn't a good guy um, that uh, mom left, right? Or did mom die? Um, Mom's not there. So they leave him with grandpa and, you know, he's an absentee father. And so that left the kids hungry. And so they would go beg. and it wasn't, you know, the white collar people would kind of look like they didn't exist. uh, But it was the blue collar folks in central that would give them full meals. And he goes, and not just the leftovers, like the hot stuff. So I always wanted, you know, to be like them. Um, and so he has this whole, you know, working class edict to him as part of the rogues. And uh, at the end, it's a man that's, that's striving for relevancy. And he just wants people to remember his name. And there's just something to that, that he's not just the captain cold of the He He's the captain cold. And, the rogues made him as much as he made them by the end. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to the ending with what they say there, but it, you know, maybe it doesn't go as well as he wanted, but to us readers, you know, Len gets to, to go out the way that he wanted.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's whole big thing where like he talks to Grodd to negotiate and Grodd even offers him a job and tries to like, you know, resolve it all peacefully. He's like, here's the Mm -hmm. mirror gun, mirror master's dead you figure out how you open this up because they put all his gold in the mirror universe in, in a mirror dimension yeah. that
1: only mirror master really could navigate and without him it's going to take a while
0: yeah and it's like you know but you, you've you designed the cold gun so you, and you've worked with him a lot so you get my gold back and you can work for mm-hmm. me um and when he basically declines uh or he threatens to kill the kill the kid Grod's yep. like go ahead I can make another and then Grod's wife's like "No, no <laughs> don't do that Grod, I know he comes Oof. off as so vicious, but you yep. get this big moment where Grod, uh, Sorry, Cold looks down at the mirror gun after he's been handed to it, and because Grod's compared, like, working for him is like, you know, you have a real job, like, in an assembly mm-hmm. lane, because that's what he was doing back in issue one. He was working yeah. at an assembly, and he was miserable. He hated doing that. He looks down at the mirror gun, and then he has this moment where he looks around at his sister, at, you know, Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger. He smiles and then mm-hmm. snaps the gun uh, in Grod's face. And, uh, that's where it all goes to shit. And he starts freezing apes left and right. Uh, you know, what's his face? Um, uh,
1: Grim. Not Grim. No, no.
0: Heat, the heat Wave. Heat Wave. Heat Wave. That's what oh. I'm for. And <laughs> <That's right. laughs> my head, I was like, it's not Pyro. It's not Pyro. What's the, what's the yeah. asshole's name? Heat Wave. Yes. Mick. He- yeah, he Wave's like, you know, Burning Fools. Um, yeah. You know, so we got all this big payoff, this big action, um, there's a lot of Grod trying to smash at him, him firing ice. Um, I love that, uh, not only does Grod end up losing a fist at one point, because it's uh-huh. frozen, um, eventually the, the cold gun is, like, mm-hmm. damaged, um, and it's like, oh, you shouldn't fire that, because it's, uh, going to, like, you know, like, rupture or something. Fire. Yeah, and it does, yeah. it creates this big cold explosion. Oh, this is after he blows off Grod's head with the cold gun, actually. Yep. Uh, so...
1: So what what I like there too is so so when when Grodd's telling him he'll have like a position for him as a you know basically on the assembly line was that Grodd using his telepathy to get in there and really try to mess with Len?
0: I mean he said he kept tabs on him, but I mean maybe yeah, it yeah, could just be using that, right?
1: Or is it just like him guessing because that you know that he wouldn't amount to much? Like this shows the difference between Grodd and and Cold, right? Is that Grodd was never part of the Rogues? He was always seen above them. So, you know, this is him kind of giving him the the dressing down that he thinks Cole
0: deserves. Yeah, Grodd wanted to always be like what he is now in this context, yeah. which is a ruler, a leader, you know, someone right. who was in charge. And the rogues never really, really necessarily were no. after that. It's always the next job, right? They're always about
1: getting the score, spending the score, doing the next score. Um. And so, but yeah, I didn't know if that was him using his telepathy there, because there at the end he kind of he kind of has it, because that's where he thinks he has cold, uh, dead to rights. But I do love that he goes the swing on cold. Cold hits his fist, it breaks uh, his hand off, and and Grodd keeps coming, and it's so brutal. And Leo Max is the perfect artist for something yeah, like it, that.
0: Hisar here's fun. Fanta- that entire fight yeah. is just fun to watch. And then when the cold gun starts malfunctioning, yeah. it's like, oh, you can't uh-huh. fire that again. And then he fires yeah. it in his mouth which blows off his head but it also sends, right. it sends cold flying because it's uh, right. you know this blast of ice just which, in every direction
1: which then makes it snow in Gorilla City which gives us a nice oh yeah that was beautiful know, yeah to that, go off to go off on yeah uh,
0: so good. unfortunately even though Glider and Tiger hand the baby back to yep. uh, Grodd's wife uh, outside Gorilla City they get shot by the squad that's been sent by Waller or whoever it is mm-hmm. um, oh or, it's the D.E.O. sorry Chase yeah it isn't Chase yeah uh, and then it starts to snow, so we get this like you know snowing in you know, this Gorilla City, and it's kind of this sweet thing, and then we get this perfect ending where it's snowing, and Cole just says "cool" as his eyes shut and he dies, yeah. and that's the you know well it's not the final page, but it's like the his yeah. ending, and then the final page yeah. is just back at the bar, the you know the, the where all the criminals went. And I'm saying, oh, did you hear? The Rose got killed. Captain yeah. Cole got them all killed in, in Gorilla City, um, but you know. So it ends in this kind of thing where you're just looking at the, the, the photo of the, yep. of the rogues on the bar. Oh, uh, so, you know, it's just this. Nice thing.
1: Honestly. Well, and, and he goes, and, you know, Cold always had someone else pay his tab. Yeah. Which that that's. So that's going to be his story going forward, right? That he's going to live in infamy. That people are going to know his name, which ultimately what he wanted. But it's not like Cold got them killed, right? I mean, he got the last two killed because of the DEO.
0: Well, he did brought them all there for that mission. So I'd argue right, he did get but them all it killed. Wasn't, yeah,
1: but it wasn't like... Just the whole idea that he, he brought them there because he had nothing left to lose either. Like, I don't know. It just felt a bit more... A, a bit less sinister than that to me.
0: I don't know if I'd call it sinister. I, I would just say that he just didn't care. Um, and maybe he was deluded enough to believe that he would actually pull it off. But... Yeah. I, you know, I, But I, I do think he is responsible for everyone's death pretty much. Certainly... Like everyone in this last issue, because like everything goes down because of the choices he makes. Uh, so um, honestly, like I think the last page is fine, but if it ended on the the eyes closing page, yeah, I think that would have worked maybe even better. Yeah, yeah. like just to end with him dying like that. Um, I but think yeah. Would have worked. When
1: when Bronze Tiger, so you you see him take out this army. So they they point out that you know they would know the tunnels are there because you know the Grodd had all the designs and whatever, and Gorilla Grim designed it. Um, And th- they'll be coming. So, you know, as Glider and Bronze Tiger are trying to get out, they're faced with this army of gorillas. And Bronze Tiger takes them out. And that's another great page and silhouette. But he does it without breaking his vow. He doesn't kill any of them.
0: No. He's no. like,
1: oh, this is so good. And then when they get out and the DEO kills them, you're just well,
0: like. It's not only that from him, but it's also the fact that Glider doesn't want to hurt the baby and right. gives the baby back and wants to work right. with kids. And that's what she was doing at the start of the story. Right. These these two feel like they deserve a second chance, and they're just shot on sight because yeah. they're part of the rogues. And it was a really depressing kind of kind of ending, sadly. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. and you could argue that's you know that's what the ending means. It's like they were mm-hmm. paying Colt's tab. They
1: paid his tab. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's where I was going to get to. whereas everyone else kind of died in essence of the mission? Where you know Trickster got killed because the baby and whatnot. You know, and and Mirror Master and Magenta were kind of taken advantage of. So. You know, those two, those two were stuck paying his tab uh, on him trying to make a name. So, but yeah, man, no, Williamson, the rogues, you know, matching him having Leo Max with the art, like, the, especially this issue, definitely hit on some of those, you know, uh, basketball heads kind of gruesomeness. Mm. That, that Grodd fight with the stump hand. So cool.
0: Yeah. And the snow in this metropolis at the end yeah. looked really great as well uh just such a such a vibe the idea that his influence can be felt all over the city in this snow it represents mm-hmm. like him just completely wrecking this place <laughs> yeah uh and, you know sure. and he forced some of the people on the mission remember he went to the uh the old folks home or yeah. hospital to yeah was that mirror master he, get, he was gonna see it mirror master because
1: yeah. he's lost his mind so you know he's, he's forcing the these
0: people into this some of them anyway yeah. uh yeah so like yeah, you know, that this story is about how he's kind of understandable, but he has a bastard. Mm-hmm. He's kind yeah. of, uh, he's kind of like a less successful Walter White at the DC yeah. universe. Yeah, I definitely see that. Right, that, that's how that's how I would describe Captain Cold. He yeah. has these delusions of grandeur, but he's not as good at it as Walter White is, and, so. it's,
1: a, and it's his ego that gets him into the trouble. Yes. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, Cold, Cold still up there is one of my favorite villains. This does him service, I feel. You know, if this is meant to be like, you know, Marvel is doing the, the end mini series, If this is kind of like Rogue's The End, I feel like it's a fitting fitting end of their tale. And didn't even feature the Flash, right? No. Like, you know, and that, that, it gets by on the strength of the character that, you know, of Captain Cold and, and Grodd and, and that. So, yeah, very, very worthwhile. But glad, glad that it did pay
0: off. Yeah. Alright, what are you giving Rogue's issue for? I'm um, giving yeah, this a, uh, an 8.5. I'm going on 9 with this one. Uh, oh, there you go. No, it was excellent. The, the way it finished off his story, I just thought it was really captivating. And I think the the actual flow in the art and like the you know, the moment where he's like about to make the choice to snap the gun, like that's a good couple of pages of him considering and sort of looking mm-hmm. around and you understand everything into his head as to why he's making that choice. Um, I just think that uh, some of those sequences are are really well done, so an 8 out of 10 for me. Alright, Aquaman Andromeda issue 3, Ram V writing Christian Ward on the art, and Mm -hmm. they started this issue kind of like is young Arthur getting told by his father, this story that he heard from Mm -hmm. Arthur's mother, about how Atlantis sank and why it sank, Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's because there was sorcery in Atlantis back in the day, Mm -hmm. people used magic. And it was basically discovered over time that anytime someone tapped into the magic side of things, they were tapping into what they called the dead world, and that was reaching out back and creating the things. And then, you can kind of see where this is going if you've been uh-huh. reading the story up until now, is that this dead world is this thing that's in this ship. And basically, because uh, whoever it was at the time was in charge... Uh, it's,
1: it's it's Arion, right? There you go. The, the great king of Atlantis. But uh, real quick, I want to point out that... They're seeming to do a new spelling, that makes it look a lot more Atlantean, right? The Arian that we always see is the A R I O N, but here they've they've done the A H R apostrophe. They also did that at the beginning of Batman v Robin, when they go to Atlantis. So I'm wondering if that's going to be a thing for DC going forward, uh, of this is you know, to show the the old King of Atlantis, Uh, just a continuity thing.
0: Well, anyway, he. He basically fears that Atlantis will sink. If The whole mm-hmm. city fears it because this is back when Atlantis wasn't, you know, was on, right. on, it was on it was the surface. Above,
1: it was above the surface. Yeah, it was on yeah. the
0: surface. Uh, so it sinks, and that's why Atlantis sinks. And obviously, they realize why it's done this. So they built a ship and they launched Dead World into space so that mm-hmm. it could never do anything again. Uh, and I laid a little tease at the end as well that the reason why it came back is because just as it, as it left, he dreamt one night he had a nightmare that it it landed in the ocean again one day and that's why eventually it came back so Mm -hmm. it's a really cool backstory to all this stuff going on Uh, we still have black manta coming in and he ends up killing like half the crew of the andromeda um and we have uh you know like the ships up above launch like missiles and or torpedoes at the at the ship and Mm -hmm. aquaman actually gets knocked out like saving them uh, with his trident Yeah. And so it all comes down to Yvette um, and the older guy, uh, Ivanov, I would say. Yeah. Something along those lines. We get his backstory. Oh, yeah. That that comes later. Yeah. But they're going in with the core of the ship to try and blow up the dead world so that it can't do anything else. And Ackerman's going to hold off whatever the thing creates, which ends up being a monstrous version of him. And what's cool about that is that mm-hmm. he's not sure if that's, like, his fear or Black Manta's fear because Black Manta's yeah. also there. So, you get this kind of, like, three-way fight between Aquaman, Black Manta, and this big monstrous version of Arthur. Because um, it comes back very in...
1: Cthulhu, very Cthulhu-esque.
0: He's, yeah, he's got, too. like, a Cthulhu beard, yeah. But yeah. It, this comes back into play from something else that his dad said to him in the flashback at the start, which mm-hmm. Arthur asks, am I a boy or am I a king? And this at the end here is like, he feels like he's a boy being attacked by the big king version of of Aquaman. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of... It's tying back into that as well, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. So, no, all of this is really great. And it's got this thing where the old guy, like, you can kind of tell it's building up to him, like, sacrificing himself to save uh, Yvette. And Mm -hmm. he tells the story, like, he keeps seeing this girl in this yellow raincoat holding, like, a a doll. And Mm -hmm. he tells this awful story in the 90s where he was with his crew at at the tail end of the war was ferrying illegal immigrants across the sea. And this girl was one of the passengers on this little dinghy that they were sort of towing through the water. And because they were under threat of being caught by the Italians, his commanding officer told him to cut the line. And that's where the first flashback when he's telling the story ends Mm -hmm. is that he feels guilty because he cut the line and he was looking at this little girl's face in the water.
1: as she drifts away. As she drifts away. But then yeah. it gets
0: worse. It turns out that they they can't have anyone find this thingy of people. So his commanding officer makes him shoot all of the people on it, and <sighs> so he has to shoot everyone on this boat, and then ending with the little girl. So he has this memory. So this is his redemption. He has to like redeem himself mm-hmm. by trying to save the world by by stopping this thing. So you know it, it presents this really tragic backstory, and this is where you know the, the art from from Ward really excels because the the images of like. Him with these, just the, the lights of the ship behind him, the silhouettes, the, the uh-huh. dinghy drifting off into the water. It's also atmospheric. Like, all of this yeah. is atmospheric. It's, it's, what, it's what we've loved about this book since issue yeah. one, is just the atmosphere around everything. And,
1: and the tone of it is more horrific than any of the monsters, any of the other violence, is that that dinghy floating away. Man, just gives me chills.
0: It's the same with, because uh, there's early on, there's the guy on the Andromeda who's freaking out and he accidentally shoots one of the, the ladies. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's with the event, and he's like, "Oh, she came right at me. You saw." So everyone's yeah. starting to panic and lose their minds. And it's a really good example of like, this is why the dead world has to be destroyed because right. if this like, affects the rest of the world, like the world is screwed. Like you know, right. it's not going to survive. Mm-hmm. So you know, th- there's a really good build up of that sort of stuff. Um, the colors of glorious, you know, when Aquaman's like yeah. swimming off to go to this dead world with all the purple in the water. Um. Yeah. Uh, Purples and blues and pinks and greens. There's there's a lot of really. The palette's very varied and really paints this kind of like alien world underwater. Uh, And it's that great two page spread as Aquaman's walking towards this big evil Cthulhu looking Aquaman, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really great. Also, I just noticed that uh, Black Manta's got what looks like a lightsaber uh, in his hand. So, uh, you know, -hmm. point that out as well. Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of great action here where like. Yvette's trying to swim away from the the ship, but but the, the dead stream's on, and she's basically not going to make it. But then, just at that last moment, Aquaman grabs her and swims really far. He's also holding a, uh, Black Manta, so he's saving him too. Because you know, because yeah. he's Aquaman, he's a hero. He's not going to let her right.
1: die. I I also like how kind of quiet Aquaman is in this. Right, he's a man yeah. of, of very little words, and it's his actions that gives him this presence.
0: Yeah, he, that he you don't this... normally get with him. He has this mythical quality, which is kinda yeah. like the, the last page even, Yvette, when she wakes yeah. up with this like, you know, in this village with some uh Inuits or whoever it is, mm-hmm. uh, she is like, Hey, like, was that all real? Was was Aquaman like a dream? And the woman says, No, he was no, he was real. Like, uh he's as real as any story in the water can be. And, and that's a big thematic thing in this this yeah. as well, is the idea that the water remembers. Aquaman knows her father's mm-hmm. name at one point and he's like, you know, the water right. remembers. Like uh, part, partly, that's why she's so scared of losing. Is that anything is right. into this because the the bomb they're setting off isn't really a bomb; it's actually a singularity. So it's effectively making like a a temporary black hole in the right. ocean that will suck in the the dead the dead world. The dead world, yeah. And it's kind of this idea that if she gets sucked in, like she's the only person who remembers her father. So if right. she gets sucked in, then it's like her father's dying for a second time, and she mm-hmm. kind of hates that. Uh, so she's really determined to try and stop that. So there's this, there's a lot of emotional weight to the idea of that and the idea of stories that exist in the water, and at the end, Aquaman's still this mythical being that, that helped her maintain her father's memory. Mm-hmm. Know, there's, a, there's a lot of sweet, big, thematic ideas to it uh, that make it all feel larger than life, which is why I've liked since the first, you know, the first issue. had yeah. the, the big Kraken monster show up, and yep. it, it all felt very ethereal and otherworldly. I like that that feeling's still here, even though it explained a lot of what was going on. It never lost that mystique, and I think that's very impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's again, it's it's V playing with these ideas, right? Not not ideas, but like the idea of ideas, and here with the water membrane, and this dark world unleashing everyone's fears upon the world, if it if it gets powerful enough, because the last time it was this powerful, it at sank Atlantis. Yeah, um, literally. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, Tim doing that thing that I love, where he's playing with ideas. So and, and here we also we get to see Aquaman fight a Cthulhu version of himself, which is super cool. And Ward, you know, for for the and stuff as it is, it's also cool to see him draw these big monsters. Oh yeah. You know. Uh, so
0: also you know, I love how, how much of sides. a I was gonna say I love how much of a bastard black mana is in this. Like he's yeah. like killing crew members, he's planning on killing everyone on the ship. And mm-hmm. it feels like he'll do it. It feels real, it feels like yeah, he'll he, well he just feels kill like them. it.
1: He feels like a proper pirate, right? Yeah. He's like Captain Blood. He's going to go on there, no quarter given, and and take out, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's... Man, Ram V just come up with wins all the time.
0: Yeah, no, I've loved this series. It, it kind of mm-hmm. feels weird because obviously it's been very spread out over like, you know, mm-hmm. six months or whatever it's been. But like, this is like something I'd rank up there for him. Like I would... Yeah. I mean, I think Swamp Thing's my favorite thing he's done, but I think that's maybe mm-hmm. my second favorite Ram V thing. I may put this over Catwoman, uh push. Yeah. But it just makes me more excited for more Ram V work. Yeah, uh, right. So yeah, you know, and the art's great, the color palette is just gorgeous. Yeah, throughout. I
1: mean that's word two, a lot of the, the the purples, blues, pinks, very oceany, watery, that side of the color wheel. Um, just it, all playing with each it other. It did very such well. a good
0: job of feeling like a science fiction story despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's just underwater. And I know it's like a yeah. spaceship technically, but you know, by the end we kinda know it's came from Atlantis, so it's not really an yeah. alien thing, but it doesn't matter, it still has that feeling the entire time
1: yeah no it's definitely it it's got like like um uh, kind of like the thing with the isolation and whatnot definitely alien in
0: there with the crew and, oh yeah no and all there's a stuff. lot there's a lot of space movies where they're finding yeah. like a derelict ship and investigating yeah. this that is coolly so, like i mean there's a character named Burke, which is obviously yeah. an aliens character so that's a that's a very yeah. intentional reference
1: so yeah so it definitely it hits that but also with the whole mythology and, and what does it mean for you know aquaman is he a boy is he a king and all of that and just his mythical status at the end there
0: i think what was really nice um, about so. that is that it set this idea up that he is very much a human with a father uh mm-hmm. but to others he's a king under the water he is this mythical right. thing uh it's sort of like it did this really interesting trick where it made them feel both human and relatable but it kept his aura for all the other characters so you always right. felt like this mythical thing in the, the story it made him distant too
1: yeah, you know where you couldn't get too close to see him. You're kind of getting glimpses, like the crew is watching him outside of the ship.
0: Yeah. You know? So. But it gave him yeah. enough humanity for the the, the reader, mm-hmm. I think, so that we got yeah. we got the benefit of both worlds, bizarrely, mm-hmm. which is really impressive. I don't think normally you can do well, that.
1: No, and that is Aquaman in a crux, right? He's he's born of two worlds. He's he's the you know. The Surface person in, in the Atlantean, oh, sure. yeah,
0: you can say that, yeah. but writing it so that you feel both mm-hmm. things at the same time is a it's, very different thing,
1: yeah. I don't think we've ever I'm trying to think because maybe, maybe during the early rebirth stuff, we kind of got that. Um, I don't remember,
0: but not like this because I'm not talking about no. the logistics of like what he actually is. I'm saying at the same time, as a reader, you feel he's mm-hmm. both human and relatable, but also big and mythical. And I don't think you usually get that in good writing from, right. for most characters, never mind Aquaman specifically. Right. Like In theory, you should feel that for Superman a lot. But I don't think you... I think some yeah. writers are good at making them feel human, and it's good in that mm-hmm. sense. Some writers are good at making them feel big and mythical, and that's a different thing. I think it's rare that you get to feel both at the same time. Yeah. And I think for that's sure. kind of what I felt here with Aquaman, which is impressive. So. Yeah. All right, what are you giving Aquaman and Drama issue three? Um, I'm giving this a nine. I am also going to give this a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic. So that'll take us out the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week for panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art and uh top five books. And we'll include the last two, these two books from last okay. week. So, since we, since we did them this week, good, we'll include them in the, yeah. the mix. Good, good to know. Yeah. Uh, so what was your panel slash moment, Matt?
1: So I really want to give it to Bibbo taking on the new gods. But... I, I love that. So, so, so much. <laughs> I also could go with with the werewolf silhouette from from tech, the Albuquerque Jew, because that was also awesome or anything from Human target that that one page where you're getting the recap as Mm -hmm. they're going upwards is really good, too. But the one that made it uh, huge for me that made the biggest impact was Captain Cold versus Grodd with -hmm. the bloody stump fight. It's just so good. So that's going to be my moment.
0: I actually am also going to take a moment from mm-hmm. Rogues, but I'm going to go with the just the, the two pages of build up to him snapping the mirror gun. I just mm-hmm. think is perfect comic yeah. storytelling, and there's like no words. It doesn't need words. It's just yeah. like him looking down at the gun, thinking about the offer he's been made, looking at his sister and the others, and just making a choice. It just mm-hmm. it's, it's a perfect crescendo to the moment where he does it, and this moment of defiance, which is just so perfect for the character. That yeah, that's my mm-hmm. that's my moment of the week. Um. All right, cover of the week. Um, I had a, a quick look uh, earlier. Uh, the rogues cover is very nice. Uh, Human Targets always got a good cover. I think yeah. my pick, though, is probably just the regular cover for action. I really like uh, that sort of painted uh, yeah. quality to the Superman on there. Uh, he's,
1: he's also very... He does look like Christopher Reeve and George Reeve mixed. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's a combo. It looks great.
0: I love when you get the texture of the 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 ripples and the the material because yeah, yeah. it makes it feel like a real outfit and not just a painted on thing it looks like it's yeah. actually got thickness and texture to it and i love that mm-hmm. uh so that's that's my cover of the week what, what are you going mm-hmm.
1: for so um actually I had some good ones too there's a lapham that uh lo- looks pretty cool there's a sarmento that looks good but this is a week with human target mm-hmm. um and as great as the smallwood main cover is with rocket red like in his visor, you see a bloodied Christopher Chance. Like, that looks fantastic. Um, the Ryan Sook variant that has the JLI around Chance with the Kill Me sticker put on the back of him, like a Kick Me sign. Yeah. It just is the whole vibe of this book in one one image. So, that that's going to be mine.
0: Cool. Um, all right. Uh,
1: Art of the week. You going? Uh, I'm going first. This one's tough. Because this had some killers
0: this lot, week. A, especially since we've got those two Black Label books, there's a yeah. lot of options here. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, Perkins is great. I don't want to take anything away from Perkins. Perkins is great. Same with Albuquerque on tech. But anytime Human Target's involved, I feel it's like Smallwood. And this art this week is was so different than what... Not so different, but different enough from what we've been seeing in mm-hmm. the book. It's a nice change of pace that I'm, I'm giving Smallwood.
0: I think I'm actually going to, just because I happen to have them both here in the same episode. Yeah. I think, and because Smallwood wins almost every time, I'm going to go with Ward for Andromeda. Okay. Uh, just by a nudge, because yep. it is so distinctly different. Yep. Um, but that's no knock on Smallwood, obviously. No. Uh, so yeah. All right. Top five books, Matt. Go.
1: All right. So, so number one is gonna be Action Comics. Two is gonna be Andromeda. Three is Human Target. Four is tech and five is shoot. What's the other one? Is it vampires? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I'll give five vampires.
0: Okay. Uh my number one is Ackerman Andromeda. My number two is I
1: messed up my order, so if we if we want to take this back up. I forgot about rogues.
0: Oh god. Do okay, do your top.
1: Yeah. One. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So, top five. Number one is action. Uh, Two is Andromeda. Three is rogues. Four is Human Target. And five is tech.
0: Okay. My number one is Aquaman Andromeda. My number two... I'm a little conflicted here, Mm because not only are rogues and Catwoman Lonely City very close, they're also very similar in terms of the fact that they're both stories about the older version of these characters and, like, how their stories might end, but obviously with very different outcomes because they're very different characters. Uh, I think... I have to go Catwoman number two. I think I like Rogues as a book overall more, but I think the, the ending of Catwoman landed so goddamn well that uh, I need to slot that at number two. Number three will be Rogues. Number four is Human Target. And, God, how many issues of Human Target only get to number four on my list? That's insane. Yeah, for real. Uh, and then number five, I will go with... Action. Yeah, Action's my number five. So, there you go. That is... Uh, top five and that'll take me on to the part of the show where i tell you what's coming next week from dc comics uh so coming up next week we have batman issue 129 we have dark knights of steel issue eight poison ivy issue six uh batman the joker the deadly duo issue (laughs) one which i know matt's definitely reading uh miss me with that yeah gotham city year one issue two uh that's a very interesting issue one so i'm excited to get to that Mm -hmm. uh Sword of Asriel issue four the joker the man who stopped laughing issue two The Champion of Shazam, sorry, The New Champion of Shazam, I should say, issue 3, Monkey Prince issue 8, and Batman Nightwatch issue 3. So a bit of a quieter week, but I am really excited for the Shazam book and for Gotham City year one, plus uh, room for some Patreon books next week, which is nice, so I'll get those done. So that's cool. Uh, But yeah, that's what's coming. Uh, so I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month, so thank you to Tyler Hess, to Palacios, David Short, Bordner, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Traysman, and Alison M. Fordyce. They are all producers, tiers or above, over at patreon.com slash TV where you can support the content, and uh, not just this podcast, but all the content, all the movie podcasts and TV episode reviews that we do at Mail Fuzz TV and Mail Fuzz movies. Uh But of course, you get early access to Constant Multiverse, you get when it's whenever it's ready on the Saturday versus waiting to the Sunday, which is quite late, depending on your time zone, but Uh, you get a little bit early if you're interested in that and helping keep all the content coming but uh, that is the show Uh, you can also support us by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications on youtube or giving the podcast 5 stars and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from Uh, any and all spreading of the love does help and of course you can get us on twitter at DC Comics Podcast I am so hungry so this is the end of the show thank you very much for joining us we appreciate it keep reading DC Comics And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.